0: What could be more refreshing than...
1: (laughs)
2: What's up guys? Welcome to the show. This is Dummy Room 134. Hope everyone's doing good. Hope everyone's having a, uh, a good holiday season. Next week is Christmas. can't believe it's here already. Um, okay, so this week I have received no less than 10 messages regarding uh, this week's guest. People have been asking uh, why he hasn't been on, when he's going to be on, And, uh, well, you can stop fucking asking when Dougie Tangent's going to be on because he's here tonight. What's up, Dougie? Hey,
3: how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. It's about time. Yeah, man. I'm stoked.
2: got all 10 of those messages from my cousin, I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) There's probably more than 10. And, and, and yeah, I get these things like, hey, you should have Dougie Tangent on. It's like, yeah, I know, you know. That's cool. I should have a lot of people on. But, yeah, of course he's going to be on. He's a good guy. Yeah,
3: thank you. Thanks for having me. I love this show.
2: That's well thank you. Um before we get into all the Dougie talk, I gotta mention a few things. Uh mm-hmm. coming up this Friday night is the mom's basement uh Christmas party. Um have you heard about this, Doug?
3: Yeah. That is that the one on the eighteenth? That's Friday, right? Friday the eighteenth, yep. Yeah, that's the day after my birthday. My birthday's on the seventeenth. So I'm gonna try to see if I can check some of it
2: out and celebrate with you guys. Well, fucking happy birthday, dude. Thank you. Happy
0: birthday to you. Happy
2: so So what this basically is is um, I look at it as a punk rock Christmas variety show. Um, A bunch of Mom's Basement bands, uh, the Two Hey Pizza bands, Mm -hmm. and uh, they put together these videos and they're ranging from like, you know, solo acoustic to to full band electric, Mm -hmm. kind of uh, music video style, the Mm -hmm. in front of the laptop style, Uh, the Jasons, (laughs) they're doing what they do. And uh, Neon Bone even pulls something off that's really cool. It's it's just everything's a little different. And um, I think it's going to be something really, really special. Yeah. And I, I don't know if all the bands are announced, but it's like, look at the Mom's Basement roster. Yeah. that's Everybody's doing it. Almost everybody. Yeah. I'm like blown away that everyone's kind of come together. Um, Billy Putz is even doing something. That's Billy. Really- yeah, Billy Putz.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, he, he's been really enjoying doing those acoustic sets. Uh, like, you know, those online acoustic set shows this year. He's done about three or four of them and uh it's like he did that tape that came out a few months ago it was like acoustic yeah. in the basement you know so he's really been enjoying that i'm glad you guys got him involved in that and covert flops of course too
2: saw one of those live videos of him playing just it was an acoustic bass even it was like yeah oh man i'll be honest it's like i didn't think i wanted to see anybody play acoustic bass solo but he he does pretty good man i mean he's got a cool voice and i think his songs are just uh catchy enough that he can pull it off pretty well plus you know i i kind of view it like if a big
3: enough fan would be interested and again this is kind of like why the tape works too which it's it's sold fairly well is a big enough fan would be interested to hear some of these songs a little differently and he does he does keep that in mind when he picks what songs to play in that format in that acoustic bass format i don't think he would just play any old putt song that way i think he he keeps that in mind like for certain songs like what people might be interested in hearing because it's going to come out different it's going to sound different obviously there's only one person singing and we're a very backing vocal driven band, you know, and he's so he keeps that in mind. You know, also picks the occasional quirky cover that works really well in that <laughs> in that medium too, you know. So I think he's he's pretty smart when with about the, you know when he does that.
2: All right, man. So let's get to uh we're gonna do a little fun topic a little bit after we talk about you for a while. Tonight we're gonna be talking about um I've been wanting to do this topic for a while, favorite drummers, punk rock drummers and uh mm-hmm. figured why not why not have you on cuz you are a punk rock drummer. Yeah. But before we before we get to all that, I let's just talk a little bit about you. What was your first um what was your first real band? Like <laughs> yeah. played shows, maybe toured.
3: Oh, okay. We're talking tour? How about like putting out records and stuff too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Probably um well, I was in a. I started a band with my best friend um, Matt back in 1996. Uh, it was like the fall of '96, and the band was called Multigrain. And um, we were around until 2001, and played it a, a lot, played a ton of shows. And we went through about six or seven bass players in that period of time. And the last bass player. He's actually fairly active, somewhat active on the dummy room group. So he'll probably hear this might make a comment. He's a good guy. His name's Brad Lippman. And he ended up kind of being our, our guy, you know, like after that many bass players and he stuck around for quite a while. And we made a record. We made two records with him and did most of our best road trips with him and had most of our best memories with him. So he was basically the guy he's that's multi-grain now, me, Matt and Brad, you know, and, um, I think we were like, Matt and I were like 16 when we started it. But when the band started kind of really hitting the road and made our first record, we were like 19, 18, 19, and um, played with like all kinds of, anybody you could think of, we played with all kinds of bands. And uh, we played with the Methadones like the first year they were together, and we brought them into Detroit twice in 2001 when Ill at Ease was out. Cool. That was fantastic. That was really exciting for us because, you know, we... It was like we had just seen the Screeching Weasel reunion shows like the previous year, you know, House of Blues, Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, we just figured this will be the closest we ever get to, you know, playing with them or whatever. And and you know, Dan couldn't have been cool. The, and Methadones were definitely like unique thing of their own at that time. We thought, you know, this is this is cool. It's the best of both worlds, you know. And that same year, two thousand one, we also played a lot of Lawrence Arms earliest shows. I think our first show with Lawrence Arms was like twelfth. 20th or something like that. It was like really early. Like they just started 2000 or 2001, something like that. So we kind of befriended both those bands and played, played with those bands quite a bit. And that was our last 2001 was our last year. And we played our last show in August of that year. and, and then all moved on to other stuff. And Brad, after that, Brad, well, both Matt and Brad both moved to Chicago from Detroit here. And, um, Brad's, um, co-founded, uh, even a blackouts with John Jughead. And, uh, They did they did some touring together, too. And they were Brad was involved in that for a few years, I think. And then fast forward to 2015 um, multigrain. I don't really know how we started talking about it, but we all finally lived kind of somewhat close again for the first time in a while. Not not really. Matt still lived a couple hours away, but not in Chicago anymore. And so we all just decided to try to do some kind of reunion show. And it had been 14 years since we played a show. And at that time, that was my record for the longest period of time that I'd after I'd reunited a band. You know what I mean? Like I'd i done other bands, you know, I'd done other bands and a couple of reunions here and there, but none of them were after 14 year, a 14 year, you know, absence <laughs> or whatever. So we ended yeah. up playing in August 2015. We played our first show in 14 years. and It was a trip, dude. It was an absolute trip in Detroit then we played again just a few months later in December of 2015 in Detroit. And we actually announced it as our last show ever. <laughs> so that was it. That was a two-show, you know, a two-off. That was uh, that was a good time. But that was probably my first, like, band. I mean, I guess you could say real band where you really learn some big lessons. You know, you get some real experiences under your belt. You know, we went out of town and, you know, did all that. It was 96 to 2001.
2: So there you go. Okay, so uh, before we get to some putts talk, I, I got two Detroit bands. I think they're from Detroit. One of them's definitely from Detroit. The other one's a Michigan band. I think you know them both. But mm-hmm. I want to know if you ever played shows with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one is Caulfield. Oh, of course. That band was great, man. Are they? What? What's the deal with them? Are they just like... Well,
3: it's funny you bring that, them up after I just got done telling you about Multigrain because we were like buddy bands. We played nice. a lot of shows together. Yeah, Multigrain and Caulfield were we're at that same kind of level in the scene. We were all, we're all the same age and the bands had been around about the same amount of time. I think multigrain made it, made it had a few years over, you know, Caulfield as far as how long they've been around. But when multigrain really, they toiled the first couple of years, but when they really started to get good shows and get good exposure, that's about when Caulfield came on the scene. So from that point on, we were both kind of growing at the same level and we would often end up on the same shows together and finally we're just like became friends start booking shows together it was like a screeching weasel queers type thing you know and like yeah you know uh, man dude i've got so many memories of fucking shows. i've i've probably seen about 20 30 of them and cool i
2: never saw them you know they're they never i don't think they ever came here or anything but i don't even know how i know them but just a great band did they only have the one release the uh the sleep tight morons one
3: they did do a split, and this is another band you should, if you don't already know about them and you like Caulfield, you should check them out, called The Gibbons. Um, they're also from Detroit. And they were like like the next youngest kind of generation of bands down. So they were younger than us, just starting out. And Gibbons and Caulfield became very good friends. And Multigrain was already kind of like starting to work, starting kind of going out. Actually, I think we might have been done by that time. And Caulfield, I, I want to say like 2003 or four, put out a split with the Gibbons, and it's like I want to say three or four songs from each from each band. So it's worth checking it out. I'll I'll see if I can find it for you. I know I own a hard copy of it, but you should check it out. The Gibbons, G I B B
2: O N S. I didn't even know about that one. So yeah, but Caulfield definitely, um, just one of those hidden gems, I guess, of Detroit. You know, definitely. Absolutely one of the better uh you know screeching weasel yeah. style bands
3: that was the first when when sleep tight you morons came out first of all i knew they were going to sonic to record it and i was really stoked about that because sonic wasn't quite as accessible in those days it was like that's where screeching weasel went and and that's that's that you know and like that's <laughs> where the, yeah that's where those level of bands went and when I'd heard they were going there, I was like, holy shit. And then when I heard the recording for the first time, uh, I think Noah, the singer, or somebody let me hear it. And I was like, at the time, uh, I was really amazed by it sounded like a fucking Screeching Weasel record. And I was like, and that was my first taste of like what the idea of going to a certain label, or excuse me, a certain studio to achieve a certain sound, like, That was my first taste of that, like why you would go to this studio to sound like this or that studio to sound like that. You know, and that made sense because I was such a big Screeching Weasel fan in those days that when I heard Caulfield's album, it was like, oh, my God. Now, that's not to take away from Caulfield, but it just was like I was blown away. It was like, I never knew anybody could sound like this, other than Screeching Weasel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow, the the guitar sounded like that, and everything. So at the time, I really appreciated. Of course, now, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing, whatever. But I think the record itself, Sleep Tight, You Morons, holds up. I I listened I to it. think so, recently man. recently as like, I don't know, less than a year ago, and I think it holds up really well. I would have loved to have heard it on vinyl.
2: Yeah, I, I listened to it last week, dude and i was Absolutely. like wow this is actually this this is good you know yes. um, plus they got a song called girlfriend ectomy oh yeah so Love it. i've never yeah. heard, i've never heard that term so uh, you know <laughs> how <laughs> yeah. clever is that
4: i've got to get this thing up for right my back i'm
3: glad you found these guys They're because they've been one of my favorites for years you know
2: yeah i i you know it's just one of these bands that you find somewhere and then since then um i think it was tyler adams he actually sent a link and i'm like yeah i know who those guys are you know i don't know them but you know i i knew of them and they were fucking great so i you know once you go back to them and it's like oh it it did hold up (laughs) so um
3: they played in my basement in like 2001. There was a lot of beer sprayed everywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, the other band that I don't know anything about is i I'm not sure if they're from Detroit, but uh, they're called Bounder.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I know I don't know a ton about them, but I saw them a few times back in the 90s. Well, I don't know if they were Bounder then, but they. I know in those days they were they were called Roostake. and I think they might be from West Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think they might be from like Kalamazoo or, or thereabouts anyway. Okay. Uh, um but yeah, I saw them when they were they were called Roo steak R O O Steak. And then um Yeah, and then they became Bounder a little bit later on. I think I may, may have only seen them once or twice when they were Bounder, but I saw them a ton when they were Roo steak I loved them. They were great. They were great. Yeah. Uh, great great hooks. Excellent hooks.
2: Yeah, one of the one of those bands that I discovered because of, uh, you know, Mutant Pops sure. distribution catalog. <laughs> you know, you oh, go yeah. through and just buy everything. And, uh, yeah, s- still, I listened to that one within the last year, that 7-inch. That's yeah. all I ever had. And it's yeah. just it's fucking really good. If
3: you like that stuff from that era, Detroit um, pop punk whatever from the late 90s, I got one for you. Uh, and speaking of Mutant Pop, um, I don't remember the name of it. I'm sure somebody on the on the group will probably call it out or whatever but um there's a four-way split a double it's a double seven inch that mutant pop put out it's a four it's a four-way split four different bands
2: yeah no the no band photo yeah something like
3: that yeah you know what i'm talking about oh yeah one of the bands on there is the fratellis yeah they're from detroit and let me tell you let me tell you man that band oh And I knew they, I know they put out other stuff. I'm just not sure how easy it is to find these days. But I remember at the time there was like demos and stuff, you know, floating around. And I think they might add a CD or something. I honestly can't remember. But man, I saw them live a bunch of times. And their, their bass player, what I remember, the first thing that struck me about them was their bass player was like, this was probably like 96, probably was the first time I saw them. Their bass player was like Mike fucking dirt. You know, like I, I never heard anybody but Mike Durant play that way. And now this guy's playing that way and he's fucking playing awesome. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, his name is Chad. And I met him that night, uh, played a small little show in a coffee shop or whatever. And we were talking and I was just getting multi-green off the ground. They really weren't even that far along yet. It was just kind of like I was just talking to people, you know, and uh, I got his number I got a, his name and number on the back of a Fratelli sticker Right And I was going to try to call him And we were trying to book some shows when when Multigrain's ready Right Well Lost track of him after that You know And got caught up in, in Multigrain and all that And um, I saw the Fratellis a few more times You know But didn't really get much of a chance to make You know To talk to Chad much after that um, But I knew him We kind of knew each other from the scene Whatever You know Fast forward to 2006, and I'm just coming out of a a pretty big band, and a pretty popular band that's just broken up. And I'm trying out for this already existing band called the Dutons. And I, I show up at their house, and who's there? There's Chad. Only this time he's holding the guitar. And there's Chad, and he's in the Duton. I didn't know this. I I knew about the Dutons from the other members. I just didn't know Chad was in the Dutons. And it turned out that the Dutons kind of hovered between a three-piece and a four-piece every once in a while. And I just so happened to have seen most of the times that I'd seen them, they were a three-piece without Chad on second guitar, you know. And so I didn't realize, you know, this awesome bass player from the Fratellis you know, from years earlier, who. You know, there was like the only Detroit band that put something out on Mutant Pop, which I thought was cool. You know what I mean? Like that already yeah, yeah. Was points, you know, in, instant points with me, you know, and here I am about to jam with this guy. Well, I knew all the material going in and killed it. And then after, like, I think we jammed another time and they finally they said, all right, the job's yours if you want it. And I've been a, I've been a Duton and in the band with Chad for 14 years now.
2: <laughs> <It's been laughs> That's awesome. awesome.
3: Yeah, so check out the Fratelli's if you get a chance. So it's right up your alley if you like, you know, that other stuff, like Bounder and Roostake and uh, Caulfield and, and all that. Check out the Gibbons and the Fratelli's.
2: Yeah, I remember I ha- I still have that record, uh, the Meat and Pop 4-Way, but um, I haven't listened to that forever, so I'll have to I'll have to refresh on yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. But that's there's, cool. That's cool. There's,
3: uh, there is a really big mainstream band called the Fratelli's. I, they're not the same. So if you try to Google them or go on YouTube or anything, people will probably run into them before they'll run into the Detroit pop punk band. But you do a little more digging, you might be able to find some more stuff. There's some stuff out
2: there, I think. All right, so let's just fast forward. How how did the putts come about?
3: Um well I'm not an original member, but I think the first time I saw them, um uh, might have been Because they're in an 2000... Indianapolis
2: band, right? Those Billy's yeah. from Indianapolis.
3: Well, yeah, Billy's originally from a town just north of I don't know, maybe 40 minutes north of Indianapolis, small town. But um, th- he started the band with people from Indianapolis, and it basically was always associated with Indianapolis, um, pretty much the whole time. You know, before I even joined, and uh, Billy now lives in Indianapolis now. He's been there for a number of years now. But uh, um, I first saw them play, I want to say. 2009 or 10 and they'd already been around a couple of years i think at least well there's a whole there's a whole you know uh history there that kind of predates even that that's like high school band type stuff like you know when you you know you draw out your own demo tapes by hand and stuff like that there's there's that kind of beginning there that goes back many more years that i can't really give you a whole lot of details about um, but I know that, that they've got that there. That there's that there. That's, that's a thing with them. But, um, the first, my first memories of them were like 2009 or 10 and they had already done their whole in one album and they'd put that out on CD. It was only uh, like 150 CDs or whatever. It was a small release, different artwork than, than the one that's out now. And, um, I think I was with the Dutons and we rolled into Fort Wayne one night and we played with them and Flamingo Nosebleed and a few of the other. Uh, usual suspects in town that we normally play with a lot in those days, and uh, I thought they were a lot of fun. I thought uh, the putts just blew me away. I was like, "What the fuck?" You know, like this is fantastic. <laughs> and I was standing at the front of the stage, and I remember just just thinking they were clowning. You know, this band's just clowning around. This is great. This is this is fun. They don't take themselves very seriously at all. I loved it. I thought that was very endearing. You know. And I became a fan like right away and befriended Billy and their then guitar player, Tyler. And then over the next like year or so, uh, the Dutons and the Putts crossed paths quite a bit. Um, We toured in 2011 Dutons. Uh, We did some stuff with like a lot of road stuff with Flamingo Nosebleed and Johnny Three and bands like that. And we would come across the Putts. I kind of throw I got to throw them in that same conversation because we would always be on Bills with the Putts. And then finally, I'm like, well, might as well be buddies with these guys. And we were in Chicago playing with them in 2011, and I really got along with them big time. The hair lips were on that bill, and it was a pretty good bill. And um, I just got along with them so well. And after that, I just stayed just stayed friends with them, stayed in touch with them. And then 2013, I was touring – I did a, one tour playing drums for a band from Pittsburgh called Lady and the Monster – the Lady and the Monsters, excuse me. And they actually recorded at Sonic. And it, that tour was in support of an, the album they just put out, which was recorded at Sonic. And I didn't get to do the recording with them, but I did the tour and the tour rolled through Indy. And of course, the putts are on the bill. You know, it's uh punk rock night at the Melody Inn. You know, it was a you know, that's a that's a staple there in Indy, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, and so I talked to, and this was 2013 and I had already had uh, heard the Knock It Off album, which they had recorded. It was their second album. And I'd already heard, like, early mixes of it. Tyler had sent me early mixes of it, and it blew me away. And I was like, this is the fucking best thing I've heard in years. You know, like, holy shit. You know, and they they recorded that at Sonic. <laughs> you know, when, when the Lady in the Monsters tour made it to Indy, you and know, I was able to actually kind of, like, sit down and talk to Billy and Tyler, we kind of, like, figured, all right, I don't know what we're doing, but we got to do something to get this fucking record out. You know, and they were still finishing it, but I'd heard enough of it. I was like, somehow I got to get this out. You know, I got to talk to somebody. I got to figure out how to get this out. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to get this out. <laughs> and they played that night. And we all had a blast. And then by the fall of that year, 2013, um we kind of already, I'd, I had talked to Travis and I said, dude, this is the record. You know, this is the record. He'd only put out about six or seven things at that time and uh not even that probably by the time he and i were first talking about knocking off was probably like he had probably five or six you know releases under his belt and um so i said this is the record right here you got to hear it so he heard it and he's like oh man i gotta put this out it's like yeah you do and he's like well um well what you know and he was kind of confused like you know we were already buddies we had a rapport at that time so he, he just couldn't understand like why is Dougie bringing me this record? Dougie, is this you? Is this your project? Are you <laughs> this? Did you? Are you like the producer? Who knows? What are you? What? What? What connection? I I hated not being able to say that. I was just like, I don't know, man. I just think it needs to be out.
2: <laughs> you know? That's great, man. So you weren't in the band. They were just buddies of yours. You were uh-huh. playing shows, and you're pushing the record on Travis. Yeah. And I was That's like, fucking great.
3: And I told Travis, I said, I know where you're going with this label, and I love it. And I really think this record fits that fits what you're doing with the label extremely well, arguably the most up to that point. You know, I was like, if you want to, and I know what you're shooting for, and if you want to get what you're really shooting for, you this is the record for you. And he heard it, and he was like, you're right about that. And so I went back to Billy and Tyler. And I was like, you know, I think we might have something going on here. I, I don't know what extent, I don't know, if I, I don't know details yet, but I know Travis is into it, and he wants to put it out. And I think you're finally gonna get a record put out by somebody after all this many years of work you guys did and all the work they put in to knock it off as well. That was a you know a lot of work they put into making that album. And and then they were like, Well, might as well join the band. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they had a drummer, he's a good guy, his name's Aaron, he's a really good guy, and they're still friends with him. And he he lives in Indy. And I don't think he wanted to be I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to assume, but I just I got the impression he didn't want to be involved on quite that level, but that doesn't mean he's not a handy guy or he's not up for what I mean, he I think he sometime later he came and recorded some tracks with us in Billy's basement, you know. Like so he likes to be around, you know, he's still around. Um and and him and him and Billy are really good friends. So I don't think it was anything like that. They weren't like trying to get rid of some dead weight or anything like that. It was more like um I was charged up. I wanted to do some things just in general, and they did too. And uh, I, I don't know, just kind of, it was a very organic process, to be honest with you. I don't even think much was spoken. You know, it was just kind of like, hey, you want to come over and try out, you know? So I did. I, October 2013, I I drove down there and we played for the first time together. It was just fucking great. And never looked back since. It's just been getting better and better ever since.
2: Yeah. Uh, of course, so, yeah. this year, you put out a uh, Rise and Shine, which is up for yeah. uh, what second pressing just got picked up, right?
3: Yeah. Okay. So this was something that I was hoping we could talk about on the show because I don't know exactly when you're going to publish the show, but um, Eccentric Pop is going to repress it. And it hasn't really been officially announced yet, so we kind of Travis and I agreed maybe this this would be the announcement or or thereabout. <laughs> so
2: this is it's it. It's out there now, man. Yeah. So just in time for Christmas, right? Yeah, actually, I
3: just picked the records up from the pressing plant in Detroit today, this afternoon, and uh, kept the band copies and turned right around and shipped Travis's copies to him for the eccentric pop. And I'm not sure at the time of this recording, I can't tell you when the pre-order or anything like that or the official release date is, but I know it's very, very soon. And um, he just wanted me to let you all know that uh, just – more info coming soon, just just as long as everybody just keeps their eyes glued on the Eccentric Pop social media presence, Instagram, Facebook, all that, he's definitely going to start hyping it this week. So probably right around the time this episode comes out, more likely, he'll probably start hyping it and we'll be able to get more details like release date or at least when he starts doing pre-orders. But I can tell you, we have another official, another full pressing um, happening. It's definitely happening. So I know there's a lot of people that missed their chance to pick up um, a copy before and you could still i mean a, a, a lot of the on t- online real re- excuse me retailers are out but i know there's a few like on discogs and stuff you know you might be at that point with those but he's uh locked and loaded travis and he's ready to ready to get another another um pressing out so we're excited about that whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Through the ground people keep on asking why I stay She wants and she doesn't care how When she throws a fit and starts to curse and spit People keep on telling me that I should split Every time she wants People keep asking why she treats me so mean
2: fence here but um i was kind of surprised it sold out so fast me too I, the band was dude, we, <laughs> so, we had this idea
3: going into this year we thought okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna put this record out and originally it was gonna be april and we had a tour schedule for april as well so we're like okay we're gonna do a tour right away sell some copies that'll be good and then see if this record catches on at all during the summer maybe it does maybe it doesn't but if it sells out we'll get another pressing going in the summertime so we'll have we'll take the second pressing with us on our we were going to do a second uh tour in the fall. And you know, and basically it did happen like that just without the tours, you know. And I had no idea that it was going to sell that quick. And Travis didn't either. I remember it was like on release day he texted me at like 7:30 p.m. on release day and said that He had X number of copies left for the distributor and they specifically asked for a certain number of copies. Mm -hmm. And after those copies that left Travis with 10 left and Travis said he usually doesn't like to go below 10 in case he has to like, maybe there's some damaged copies that he has to make up for or send somebody complimentary for whatever reason. You know what I mean? So he likes to stop at 10. So he has a few to kind of cover, you know, some issues, some problems. You know so that's that was it as soon as the distributor put in their their offer or their order for x number of copies or whatever that left him with 10 and he decided okay i'm done then i'm sold out you know i don't like to go below 10. so he told me at 7 30 on the release day at 7 30 at night on the release day and I'm in, the car, <laughs> I'm in the car driving i think i was driving like devious ones practice or something like that and he says yeah I'm, I'm officially sold out and i knew we had some banned copies that would have normally just gone with us on tour and we would have sold them that way, you know, and not tried to compete with him online or anything like that. We usually don't do that. But I'm not used to us selling our band copies online this soon. And I'm like, okay, normally we might give them a few months, you know, priority, you know what I mean, online priority. But in this case, it was like, all right. So by 9 o'clock that night, it took me a little while, but by 9 o'clock that night, I had our copies on our band camp available. And then like six days later, those were all sold out. And it was like,
2: whoa, <laughs> I was like, damn, was we were not expecting that at all. That's that's really cool. And I mean, you didn't even have to tour to promote the record. Um, believe- I mean, you couldn't tour for one, no. but um, yeah, you didn't even have to. So,
3: well, yeah, I mean, back in the back in the fall or excuse me, back in the spring when the shit was hitting the fan with this covid, and it was like we had already had a plan to put a record out in April. That was the plan. And that was still going even with this pandemic. And I thought, and people are freaking out, you know, not knowing what's going on. A lot of people were leaving their jobs or getting laid off or whatever. Shit was really unfolding and people were scared. And I remember having a talk with Travis, like, you know, is this a good idea? Should we just hold off on this? this? This seems like people have bigger problems, bigger things to think about. And, Maybe we shouldn't be trying to put a record out right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know. And he said, "Okay, you know what? You're right. I'm with you. Let's, let's just, um, let's hold out and just kind of get the and just play this thing by ear, like everybody was with everything else, you know." So we did. We kind of shut it down for a little while, just like a month or two, and then I think June rolled around, or maybe it was no, it was late. It was mid-May or something like that. And we started talking again, and he's like, uh, he's like, you know. And I think I think the, that first and only stimulus check was was finally coming around. Right. And he's like, you know, what I'm noticing people are spending money, actually, believe it or not. I'm like, really? Oh, OK. All right. Yeah, I guess you're right. I I had already bought a bunch of mail order records up to that point, too. So, yeah, I'm guilty of that. So he says, you know, what? let's let's do this. Let's do this. Let's let's go ahead and do it. I said, okay, I'm just worried I didn't want him to lose his shirt. You know what I mean? I didn't want us yeah. to be stuck with a bunch of records you can't eat, you know? And I said, okay, as long as you got faith in it, buddy, we're not, obviously we're not touring. We can't fall back on that either. You know, this is really kind of up in the air. If we put this out, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, Ooh, I was sweating, you know? And, uh, Travis felt pretty good though. And he kind of, he kind of helped kind of boost the morale on our end too. like. And the band kind of got into it. they said, you know what, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. If Travis is into it, let's do it. So we did it. And Travis set the, pre, the pre-order the pre date for, I think it was like May 21st or something. And we sold through half of them on the first day. And uh, I was that blew me away. I couldn't believe that. And I was like, what? And we offered a bundle, like a coffee mug bundle. It was like a limited, uh, super limited coffee mug bundle. And that sold out in like, less than 24 hours and everybody felt good. And then the actual official release date was June 16th and that rolled around. And like I told you that sold out like the at seven 30 that night and all of a sudden it things made sense. It's like, wow, you know, we were really, we were really worried. Like, all right, is it even proper for really us to try to put out a record? I mean, of course, <laughs> everybody's everybody's thought on that changed quite a bit as this, as this pandemic has progressed. We've actually seen one of the best years of music ever, you know? Oh, like, yeah. It's incredible. But back then, you know, I wasn't really sure if putting out a record was a good idea or not. Like, I don't know. Because <laughs> every time you put out a record, you kind of make it a little bit about you, you know? And, and most of the time, people don't mind because they're like, all right, they're due for a little putt. So what do you got? You got a new record? Okay, cool. But in this time where there's way more important shit going on, it shouldn't be about... Lost. It shouldn't be about anything. It should be about staying safe and trying to hang in there and get through things. You know, that was my. That's what I kept thinking about. But, but Travis and Billy and and Patrick all kind of recognized that uh, this is actually a good thing. And sure enough, I'm on board with that now. Like all these great records that came out this year, they kind of saved me, man. Mentally, I'm like, oh man, yeah. I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. You know,
2: you kind of know that I've been doing something. Uh, secretive behind the scenes with the dummy room. Um, yeah, I don't know if if I told you exactly what, but um, it involves all the great records this year. And uh, man, there's there's there was so many. And looking back, I couldn't even believe yeah. like it's been such a fucking bad year. But it's like there were so many good records oh, yeah. that we couldn't even remember them all.
3: Oh, yeah. Like, no, okay. oh, yeah,
2: that came out. I forgot about that one because, you know, we had we had new Huntington's and Weasel and Mangies and Queer's. Yeah. I mean, all these classic bands mixed with, of course, like Giant Eagles and the oh, Pots. Yeah. And it was like this mix of old the and middle and new. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> neon bone
3: album. and
2: all Yeah. One of that. the best this year.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, incredible. On both fronts. The old classics came through for us. I don't know how many times I asked myself, "What year is it?" You know, and, and as soon as another one of these classic bands put a record out, I kept thinking, "Is this 1998 or something?" You know. And then <laughs> you know, on the other front, the bands that are I think that we're in their era of right now. I, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, it's it's their it's their era. This is this generation's bands, the current bands. I mean. I think you can either be a current band or you can be a band that hasn't gone away yet. There's one or the other. You know, like uh, these current bands are really impressing me. Now last year to be fair for the current scene, last year was I thought last year was going to be unbeatable. With records from Natalie Sweet and Jeff Palmer and I mean uh, incredibly the follow-ups, the Livermore's, all that came out last year and I thought 2019 oh it's gonna be a while before we see another 2019 well 2020 came along and fucking <laughs> whoa. like unbelievable like i'm just so i'm just stoked to be
2: just a little part of it you know just to be yeah. part of that yeah just, you know what i mean i love being a part of it too and i mean i'm not even in a band but i mean of course i have this yeah. this uh i'm in this wonderful position where some of these records got to me early and sure. i got to help promote some of them and it's just been it's been ah, i love it but um yeah. I, yeah, last year was great, unbelievable. And then this year started out relatively slow. And it was mm-hmm. like once, you know, we knew the pandemic was coming from like what January last year. And it was like, ah, I hope this doesn't get bad. And then, mm. and then it did, it didn't take long. And I yeah. thought, oh, there's not going to be, you know, this is going to kind of suck. And then all of a sudden, like, this new weasel album dropped and it was like, well, you know, digitally. And it was like, Oh shit. I didn't even know that was coming. And then ever since then it's been this steady fucking stream of like every other week, here's another great album. Yep. It's been unbelievable. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've really enjoyed watching it kind of play out. It's been like one of the very few uh, bright spots of this year is just, how wonderfully uh, and we're not we're not done either. Uh, what did I just hear about? It's about to come out. Um Shornords. Sure. Well that one, yeah. Is that coming out this month?
2: Um well it's coming out next well, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. It I depends thinking. on your definition of, you know, if you're doing end of the year awards kind of things, you kinda gotta cut them off. Yeah, you, you do. You know, my my little thing um, <laughs> um which you'll know about more probably next week. Um, is, uh, the, the cutoff date was, uh, December 1st. Okay. So yeah, because you gotta have time to do stuff.
3: That's true. That's true. Um, speaking of cutoff dates, uh, last year at the very end of last year, uh, my good friends from Detroit here, the Lily livers, they put out their album songs for plants on out loud records and it came out on December 31st, 2019 came out right (laughs) on new year's eve you know and i'm and to this day uh i still catch people every once in a while trying to say it's a 2020 album or like i remember the at the beginning of this year when you would hear more conversations still about records from last year and people talk about best records of 2019 and they would exclude like Lily Livers, don't forget, I would have to remind them, don't forget Lily Lovers came out in 2019, came out in, on December 31st, 2019. And it's funny because, like, you know, they're such a quirky band. They're also um, still kind of still kind of getting their feet wet, too, if you know what I mean. And but they're fantastic. And it, it's just it's so, so perfect that they put a record out on December 31st. Like, just to kind of screw with everybody. I don't know if that's why, but I'm saying, (laughs) you know, I just kind of, all of us think we've got this whole thing figured out, right? And then they come along, but uh, because, and I say that because uh, the dummy rumor, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his last name correctly or not, uh, but his name is Matt, I think it's Diamant, Diamant, something like that. He's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's the guy that made the big list of everything that's come out this year so far, Mm -hmm. and which is great because getting back to what you were saying, it's hard to keep track. I, I can't even keep track. I've had to refer to that list more on several occasions. I actually just looked at it like yesterday and I noticed uh, that list, which has been a running list. He's had going for like six months and just keep adding to it um, has lily livers on it. songs songs for plants. And I'm like, okay, so they got kind of gypped out of any sort of credit, in 2019, because it's a great album. I think it should be considered in at least a few people's top tens. But now, looks like Matt, good old Matt stuck him on for 20 a 2020 release, which technically, it's not a 2020 release, but it came out on in December 31st. So, you know, everybody's wrapped up their top tens well before then, right? Yeah. And so now, <laughs> now I'm thinking, all right, you know what? I'm just not going to say anything. Normally, I would probably comment. I would say something. But I didn't say anything. I'm like, no, you know what? let's give these guys another chance at some top tens. <laughs> like, yeah, there you keep go. Keep it on there. That would be hilarious if people start, you know, the the album's been out for a year and people would start putting it on their top tens now. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be great.
2: Yeah. great. You know, and I'm like, okay,
3: we'll just leave it there. It's perfect.
2: I did. Yeah. I, I did our cutoff from December 1st of 19 to December 1st to 20 because... Um, there, There's out, al- like you said, there's albums that come out at the end of the year that you just people, they don't always have the means to to get the album or even hear about it so that it doesn't make the top 10 list or whatever. And uh, for, for my thing, I needed some time. You know, this is this is a group thing and I needed some time for people to yeah. make sure they hear things. And then, of course, we have to we have to do some special behind the scenes things. Yeah. And you'll see. But um yeah, there was it last December. Also Dark Thoughts and Livermores came out last December. Yeah, that's and right. um I didn't
3: know it th- was that late in the year. I got I got him on my top ten for twenty nineteen though. I managed to get him in there.
2: So did I. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh yeah, what a great year it was and uh Putz were definitely part of that. Thanks, buddy. And you know Cause... who else had a record out this year? Uh who? Uh Haley and the Crushers. If you
5: wanna dance, we'll dance. If you wanna go, we'll go. If you're look-
3: I guess I'm kind of like the part time auxiliary drummer, whatever, you know, I think <laughs> I think if we all lived together, I'd probably be more involved. But they got Ben out in California with them who lives right with them and they can collaborate with him easier and better and they can do stuff like, you know, if they think of doing a video on a weekend at last minute or whatever, they can they can do that stuff with him. you know, and I wish I could. I wish I could do that stuff with them. Yeah. I, I try to be as involved as I can or or it, they know that if they need me for something, of course, I can try to do something if I need to. If anything, I just try to spread the word when there's something cool going on with them. I try to you know, promote it, whatever. And then of course, when we tour, I've toured with them twice. And yeah. uh, it's it's a blast. Yeah, it's a blast. We were supposed to go to the East Coast this year. Um, We were supposed to do a Midwest and East Coast tour and it was going to be in October and I was going to we were going to have to time it with it was going to be we had I already had a putz tour. I was planning out to go to Texas and back it was going to be like a Midwest and Southwest run in early October, like the first half of October. And then the the Crusher's run was going to be the last the second half, excuse me, of October in those last couple of weeks. And we were probably going to come back like somewhere just after Halloween or something be done. And um, that was I was basically going to be on the road for like over a month. Uh, between both tours that was the plan that was the plan before COVID hit and we were just starting to work on booking like a little bit just a little bit when COVID hit and it was like fuck dude but i miss going on the road with them they're a lot of fun to tour with
2: yeah so how did that whole thing come about how did how do you end up playing drums with them i think i just kind of like um
3: (laughs) i hate to say it because i've never had to explain it after i've already explained the beginning of me joining the putts but oddly enough it's very similar uh, i just <laughs> i'm just realizing that <laughs> i'm just realizing that uh i think they had it was a combination of that they had already kind of bl- like done like a i don't know cold contacted travis with their cool lame album and somehow i had become friends with them online i remember seeing them or hearing about them and thinking the same thing, thinking, Oh, these guys would be great on the center pop. You know, I was thinking the same thing that I was with the putts, you know? And, um, and I remember, I think I reached out to them. Haley might be able to explain this a little bit better. I can't remember, but, uh, I reached out to them and I just said, you know, you guys would be so great on, I got this label that I work with. Maybe I should talk to them. Cause it was clear that they were kind of from a totally different scene. So I wasn't sure how much about our scene that they knew. But I knew that they would work. It would work in our scene. It would work out well. And I was like, well, let's just you know kind of see where they're at where their headspace is at, you know and w- what they're trying to do. you know uh, you know and it turned out it turned out it was like one of those, oh, yeah, we're already on the same page because they had contacted Travis just like maybe a day or two, like very soon before I had contacted the band. you know, And I said, okay. So I went back to Travis. I said to Travis I said, Hey, there's this band. I don't even know if you've even looked at the email or anything yet. Yeah, they just got a hold of you. Uh, we should talk about them because they're pretty good, and I think they'd be good for the label. And he was already like, "Yep, I'm right there with you, buddy. They're they're sweet. I'm, you know, he's kind of one of those in hold in a holding pattern type things. not making a decision either way, but liking it so far, liking it, you know. And, um. I went back to Haley. I said, what? I I can't tell you one thing or the other, but it sounds like this, you know, there's some, the wheels are in motion of some kind. So that's pretty cool. I think we're, you know, so we just immediately became friends based on that. We just kept in contact. We just, we just kept, we just kept talking more and more and more, became more friends. I became fascinated with her and Reed and their life together and the music that they make and uh, their visual thing. And, I thought they were so, co- I just think they're so cool, you know? And I was like, yeah, if you need anything, I don't know what, I don't know why. I just kind of, you know, want to help. I don't know how, again, this sounds a lot like the other story
6: <laughs> and,
3: and I was just like, I just want to help. So whatever you want to do, if you ever, you know, need help with a touring drummer or I don't know, whatever, I don't know what else I can offer, but you know, keep me in mind. So I don't know some kind of time must've gone by or whatever. I don't re- really remember this part. But next thing you know, it's like, you know, Travis tells me, yeah, I think I'm going to do something with them. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Cool. And then she's and then Haley's all geeked about it. And then and then next thing you know, I got Haley and Reed both like calling me going. So what do you think about this Midwest tour idea you were talking about? I think I'd say I'd said if you ever want to tour the Midwest, you want some help booking. You know, I think I started it out real kind of what I call mild like that. Like that's kind of something that. I think almost anybody would say right but uh, they were serious and they were like well can you help us out I'm like of course of course just let me know where you want to go and I'll try and throw you some contacts I do that for bands all the time and they said no I mean logistics and basically like almost on a level of like tour managing you know and I was like oh like actually participating in it okay yeah I might be able to do that you know and then they were like no what about drumming? <laughs> so then, then it gets more and more, you know. And I'm like, I'm, of course, I'm stoked about this. It's getting better and better, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So they flew out to Detroit, and we practiced at the Devious One's practice space. It's uh, our guitar player, Amato's basement. And we practiced for, like, an afternoon on, like, a Wednesday. It's like, I don't know, four, three or four hours. Learned a set, and then went bowling, drank some beers that night. And Thursday we played our first show together in Detroit. And then we played about 17 more after that <laughs> all over the place. And that was how that first tour happened. We did that's the second awesome. tour. Like, yeah. Second tour was like four or five months later. You know, that's cool. So Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, our, our, our first contact with Haley was um, she, she sent me an email and mm-hmm. it was just all about... I didn't know who she was. I had never heard... I think I had... I think uh, I think the Haley and the Crushers, the first album was about to come out on eccentric Pop. So it was kind of on my radar a little bit, but I didn't know much about them. And uh, mm-hmm. she sent me an email and it was like, she was basically a fan of the show. And uh, she was like cool. our first fan. Like, yeah. it was like, okay, I don't know who this person is, but she apparently likes the show. And, um, yeah, so we've had this, uh, you know, we've had this friendship ever since and, and I'm always up for, uh, anytime she needs help doing anything, you know, I'm, I'm I'm here, you know, promoting and whatnot. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I was really happy when I, when I found that out, I was like, oh, you know, that's really cool because obviously they're not, they're not in the bubble, you know, they're, they're, they're their own thing, which is really cool. And like you said before, it's like, it's different, but there's something there that crosses over just enough. I think
3: there's a, I think there's certain, there's people in the bubble that could use a little bit of that. If you know what I mean? A little bit of yeah. that, you know, there's some people that I think are like two in the bubble. So it's like, they can use a little, you know, I don't know if you want to call it culturing, but, um,
2: just use a little, a little something different. And, it, and dude, it that's makes... me. I need that sometimes. Sometimes it's <laughs> yeah. like, I yeah. got to, I mean, sure. I, I hate to admit it, Maybe I shouldn't admit it, but sometimes it's like I want that that guitar sound, that that clean sure. sound, just fun, you know. Because I'm, a, I'm a, I love the Go Go's, you know, too, yeah. and, and they're very much in that Go Go sound. And sometimes oh, you just need that. You need that. You need to turn the screeching weasel off, the Ramones off, yeah, and and turns turn some Go Go's on. I, you know? I I had a similar feeling.
3: <laughs> um, I think it was. Uh, uh, when we had just started the second tour together and I had, I had my previous tour before that was with devious ones and um, whatever reason, I don't know why it was, but w- whatever, but I was really itching. I was really Jones for what you just described and, you know, to be able to play on a tour every night and not have my ears ringing, you know, the whole time uh, the next day or to at least feel, feel the bass and to feel some, uh, a groove and to feel like you said that clean, fresh, tw- almost sometimes some twangy guitar. And Haley's Haley's such a good guitar player, and she she has got a great aesthetic and sound to her guitar. And I remember the like there was like the first or second show of the tour we had played in Fort Wayne. It was the second tour we played in Fort Wayne, and the first tour the first show was in Detroit, and it was a little rough because I was a little rusty, so I was kind of thinking more about what I was doing. But when I was finally comfortable again was our second or third night or whatever. And we were in Fort Wayne. And I'll never forget when we were setting up on stage. We're just about getting ready. We're sound checking. And she rips out some really like big wide open cord or something like that. It was something. I Just the first time I'd really listened to her in a while. I don't count the first show because I was – uh, thinking a lot about getting my parts right and stuff because it had been you know five six months since i'd played some of that stuff so i was definitely like you know it was a different mindset for the first show but the second show after that kind of learning curve was out of the way I, and now i could finally kind of relax and just kind of enjoy the music really which you know you perform better when you can do that um and I actually listen to her during sound check when she just let that big chord like that real crisp bright surf guitar just rip and I was like, oh, I, I felt it, you know, it like, hit me. I was like, oh, and I remember thinking I'm sitting there behind the kit and I'm still just about ready to go, but I'm still, you know, doing a few things and read still tuning and all that. But I remember in that moment, I remember thinking, God, am I glad I'm sitting here right now? Fuck, did I need this? You know, it was like a little bit of therapy. It was a little bit of like, you know, twang guitar therapy, you know, it was like, oh, Fuck that feels good. Like when you're stretching out, it felt good, you know.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. It was really Yeah. Cool. It, Haley's got one of the best voices there is too.
3: Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, when she um she um I don't think I've told anybody about this. So this is a fun little story to share uh on the show. Um when we did that uh I think it was that second tour, um, that same Tour it was October of 2019. We stopped through st. Louis. We played in st. Louis, but we also uh, spent a few days um, Recording and that's when we recorded the jacaranda seven-inch and the new church of flag cassette thing that, that they're putting out so oh I'm on that and I'm on the jacaranda seven-inch but it, those are all from that session in st. Louis those songs and I got to, I got to really record something from the ground up with them with her and Reed, and and this was music I didn't even know I had to learn it as, as I went along, like in the studio. I was really impressed with them. Like, even some of the, there was some stuff that they were still finishing up. They, these songs weren't completely written. They were still kind of up in the air, but they they were really cool about, they understood that um, it, would, it would come together. Don't worry, it would come together. We got the right people working on it, you know? That's such a good attitude to have because it helps keep everybody chilled out, and just keep everybody just working on what we all want to make a good record. You know, everybody in that room wants to make a good record. So, uh, but the difference between that attitude, I've seen that same circumstance in other with other people where there's still things left up in the air and still things left to do and what, and people stress about it and it almost ruins a session, you know, but they didn't do that. And putts are the same way. They're really cool. They're really good at in the studio being very effective and, uh, you know, getting it done and it's okay, no pressure, that kind of thing. Very, very laid back, very cool. Everybody's there to make a good record, you know. And I was glad to see that that Haley and Reed were the same way. It felt good because I, I, you know, I'd already experienced that with the Putts recording with the Putts, but then experiencing it with them was like, wow, you know, they're the same. They were the same way. And we went in with not everything you completely figured out, and we figured it out and figured it out well together all of us and that was a really cool like a bonding moment that was like okay now once you do that with somebody or you go on tour with somebody you really get to know them you know like you really and your compatibility if it's there it's not always there of course but your compatibility is like you you figure out how how you're compatible with this person you know it's
2: great i love it are you ever going to get to make a video with them they all, I they, hope. they have such fun videos you know
3: yeah I hope so I hope so okay I don't know if I should let this idea rip because it might still happen but I'm I don't know might not happen but oh no, I almost don't want to say anything someone's gonna take this idea anyway um
2: don't say it because someone will steal it yeah you're right
3: I'll, t- I'll tell you off the air or something but, okay um anyway, I do have a couple cool ideas and I know that they have some ideas. We've talked about it. It's just a logistics thing. It's like, but I know that I'm pretty sure we'll probably do more touring together. I, I don't think that they're not wanting to tour. I think, you know, they still want to tour. So I'll still be able to contribute in that way. But I would love to make a video with them. Love to.
2: Hey, did I ever tell you or did, did Haley ever tell you about um, when she was on the show, the artwork for the show? You know, the covers for like each episode, you know?
6: Yeah, 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 yeah. And,
2: and for a while there, I was taking the guest and I would, put them somewhere else and i would try to for a while i really tried and i succeeded a lot but put them uh-huh. somewhere that maybe somewhere they were talking about or somewhere that's you know something like a little nugget to where they're from or something like that so anyways yeah. haley's on the show so i'm looking for where where to put her and i look up her town which i still can't say i don't know how to say where where the fuck they're from but um i looked it up and i found this picture <laughs> of the madonna inn and yeah. it's this she gaudy loves- fucking pink room and i'm like oh she my god this. yeah this is it this is where i want to put her yeah. and i found like an old 60s picture of this the sign out front so I, I i messaged her and i'm like hey have you ever heard of the madonna inn she's like oh my god i live we live just down the street or something and she's like that's where we do all our photo shoots so i start looking at the photos and i'm like oh yeah she knows this place,, yeah. so it was like this, like I had no idea, you know, but yeah. once I saw the place, I'm like that's I gotta have her there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, of course, she belongs there, yeah, she
3: loves that place. She's told me all about it. The only reason why I want to go check it out is because her and Reed have said so many cool things about it. You know <laughs> when you're, that's cool. You're, you're on tour with these with anybody, you know, you talk about all kinds of stuff, so I've heard all I feel like I've already been done in, honestly. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Can you say the name of the city they live in? San Luis Obispo. Okay.
3: So you start out almost saying like St. Louis sort of without the T, you know, San Luis. And it's not Louis or anything like that. It's Louis and San Luis Obispo.
2: Obispo. Okay. I won't remember that. I'm really bad at that stuff. So dude, I, I, I
3: had the same problem, but I, I've heard it. at shows about 25, 27 times. So, cause it's, <laughs> you know, on stage, they'll always say it, you know,
2: we're handling yeah. the pressure from San Luis Obispo. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Hey, should we get into this drummer talk? Sure. Okay. So I really wanted to do this and, and we had kind of, we talked a few weeks ago about doing this and uh-huh. I, I don't know if we have any, uh, if, if there's any boundaries here or anything, but here's what I did. Mm-hmm. I took off the classic guys. It's yeah. too obvious. They're going to be there. I, Obviously, Bill Stevenson and, and Dan panic are yeah. my two favorite drummers, the most important drummers yeah. to me. Yeah. So I left those guys off. And basically, I left anybody off that was in that. Mm, maybe not anybody. I, I think I have one exception. But mm-hmm. if their main thing was like 25 years ago, um, yeah. I kind of left them off. They're legends. Let's talk yeah. about some uh, more unknown. Not any less you know important, just you know, less, less known guys and newer guys. So I'm all about that. Yeah. And, um, I also, you know, it was hard because when it comes to, when it comes to the bubble, when it comes to this pop punk, it's, it's sometimes hard off a recording to see if a drummer's really good. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same, a lot of the same beats, so it's the same thing. So it's hard to tell. So here's kind of how I think about really great drummers. Are they okay. in a good band? Yeah. Are they in maybe a second good band? Yeah. That always helps because it seems like these guys are all in multiple bands. Oh, yeah. And obviously, if you're a, a shitty drummer or, a you know, just a mediocre drummer, you're not going to be in these multiple good bands. Yeah. So, and then also the other abilities. The uh, kind of like... like the charismatic drummer the guy who's kind of out there that that paid off a little bit could he sing that pays off can he write Mm -hmm. the songs that all Mm -hmm. pays off so absolutely yeah yeah so you want to
3: start logic you did for my whole list i applied the same logic all of that from my
2: list yeah and and of course they all they're all bands that i I love too so that doesn't (laughs) you know so um same here do you want to start it i just i did 11 did you do 11 I did I did eleven, but they're not in any order, so they're all
3: equally significant. I think. Yeah, mine okay?
2: are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine are kind of like that too. Until I get to like, I really like the top three. Maybe I thought, well, these guys are like my favorites for some reason, and then everyone else was kind of like just thrown in yeah. there.
3: Well, the only reason why I took my approach with not really caring about the order is because it's a it's a fairly diverse list, even though I did. I did try to keep this audience in mind. And I think it, it's a, it's a list that would in some cases already appeal to some, to some faithful dummy room listeners, but also maybe th- I, th- I purposely try to throw a few, a few curveballs in there of, of, of guys from people, shall I say from bands that uh, I think maybe need a little bit more exposure within this bubble and vice versa. Like getting back to what we said earlier, there's people in this bubble that need to, kind of creep out of the bubble a little bit you know and
2: <laughs> you know well start you know. her off man
3: okay so um like i said no significant order here i love them all for all different reasons but uh first up i got um cory richard um he's in parasite diet
7: don't think about it cause that's nothing you can do until i get around it straight through And if you really need it right. Then you'll have to wait it out Just like to try to read it right. Cause I'm on my way right now Then I know that I will see you tonight And in my crying genetic truth What's blow. It's enough to make a man go insane no one I've been around it (laughs) The stars looking out And if they allow it (laughs) It's the safest route But if they deny it (laughs) And I'm lost along the way you'll know I'm (laughs) excited Yeah, we had some perfect days (laughs) Then I know Enough to make a man go insane We are 100000 To make a man go insane When you 100,000 light years
3: away He writes a lot of that stuff. He, I, I don't know specifically, but I know he writes, like, I want to say, like, nearly half that stuff. And he sings on a, a good chunk of that music, too. And he's a multi-instrumentalist.
2: Um I decided... yeah, I've seen him doing his is it, uh, ukulele lately. Yeah. I've seen yeah, some videos.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Plays guitar and... He does a little bit of everything. He's a very extremely talented. He's also a really good photographer. He took um, some of the pictures that appeared in the Rise and Shine album liner notes, and um, he's just a super talented guy. I want him on this list because he's still a drummer, and 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 I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like all the drummers are kind of on the list for their own unique reasons, and he's one of the few on the list that's a multi instrumentalist that I'm aware of anyway. Um, but that doesn't give him an edge. I'm not saying that would make him better or worse than anybody else on the list. I just think that he's super talented. Like you said, I look at I look at the intangibles as well, like the non, non. just what else does he do besides play drums? Like, are there other things there? And there's a lot with Corey Richard. He's very talented. He's in Parasite Diet. He's done a lot of other projects too, and um, uh, most notably, one of the dudes, that he he founded Parasite Diet with who isn't in the band all the time, Joseph Rumsey, another very talented guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Corey had, had a little thing going with Michelle Sullivan from New Orleans. She's very talented. If you ever get a chance to check her out, she's done a, a, a several different projects. Anyway, the three of them did a band called TV Sisters, and uh, that's pretty cool too. So, you know, check them out. Parasite Diet, TV Sisters. So
2: I got Corey Richard, my first guy up. You might know him it's you daddy oh. tangent <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah man i mean i mean That's you're weird. you're you're like the fa- I, I how do i say this so you weren't originally in the pots but you have seemed to you you've kind of come out as like the face or the spokesman of the pots i feel like sure cool i'll give you that and um apparently you you are really good at getting bands on record labels
3: okay yeah
2: and oh. <laughs> and I, I mean, yeah, I man. Just...
3: That's why I wish I had a label. So I got to do what I got to do. You know, I got to
2: help out in some other way, right? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, you're, you're playing with, obviously the putts and yeah. devious ones, and mm-hmm. you're in Haley, and they're, they're all kind of different. You're able to pull it off, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think you deserve to be there. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're kind of like, and you have a really cool punk rock name. <laughs> one of the better ones I've never been able to, to to get one so I don't have one and I'm like always jealous of certain ones and yours is one of them I like nasty Nate I call you nasty. See, I hate see I, I never like that I mean I don't I'm not mad about it or anything but it's like one of those things where it's like it's just so not me you know no no it
3: doesn't it <laughs> sometimes it doesn't have to make sense what tan the tangent part obviously <laughs> makes sense because sometimes I just don't shut up I get it you know but you know, I don't, Nasty Nate's just fun. It's just silly. You know. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes because you're such a good guy, you know, it is kind of fun to to kind of almost mockingly, you know, act like you're not. You know what I mean? Like oh, this is Nasty Nate over here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like you're like a fucking Boy Scout. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. What do you got next? Next up, I got okay. This guy. This guy's great. I've already mentioned them already on the show. Uh Juju uh is his name his nickname. Uh and he's with the band here in Detroit called Lily Livers. And uh I had to put him on this list because he's very very interesting. I mean that in a good way. And he's very interesting, quirky, squirrely. Uh Cassie calls him squirrely. Um <laughs> Hey Cassie, are you there? Hold on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're talking about Juju now. Uh huh. I just thought you'd want to know because you like Juju. I do
7: like Juju.
3: I don't know if I can hear you, but um, so I yeah, I can we're, hear. Her. Oh, you can hear her. Okay. Hi, yeah. Cassie.
1: Hi. Yeah, Juju's great.
3: Yeah. So we're big. We're big Juju fans. Um, he's just a. He's. I don't know how. How would you describe him, Cassie? He's odd. He's an odd duck, but in a good way. He's
8: a quirky guy.
3: Yeah, I said that. Yep. Yeah. Squirrely
8: really quiet guy quiet but an amazing drummer
3: he's a fantastic drummer the dude dude has a a kit that's like a bunch of garbage cans i mean but they sound they sound unreal and he plays them to their absolute limits i mean the dude wow you know and he, he also plays in another local band called the randy bastards that's got nick rorick in it everybody knows nick nick
4: nick's a real name
7: nick's your buddy Kind of guy you can trust. Kind of guy you can drink beer with. Kind of guy who doesn't mind if you puke in his car, Nick.
3: Yeah, but Lily Livers, that's the one. You know, that's like he's Juju started that band with Fish, and now Tyler Adams plays bass with them. He just joined them this year. And um, but yeah, yeah, Juju's... that was
2: sort of why I checked him out because I was like, I think last year it was like, you know, they kind of popped up, and it's like, you know, how there's always there's sometimes just too many bands to check out. Sure. And I never really got around to it. Sure. And then um and then Tyler joined the band and Tyler's uh Tyler's a friend, he's a good guy, so I'm like, Oh yeah. Tyler's got a band now. Yeah. Better check him out. I was pretty excited
3: when I heard about that. I knew Tyler was starting to play bass. I'd already
2: known that for a while.
3: And talked to him a little bit about that, wished him luck on that, you know. Every once in a while I'd see him around, Hey, how's it going? Learning bass and all that. And then next thing I know Cassie, we were at that we were at some kind of little low-key, it was a low-key bonfire, like outside 10 people or something like that. We were all social distancing and stuff. And I think that was when they, when they
4: decided. Yeah, because,
3: because Fish and Juju, Nick, um, Nick's girlfriend, Morgan, Cassie, myself, and maybe like one other person was there. It was a low-key thing. We were pretty, we were pretty responsible about it. And it was a bonfire outside back in maybe June or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Fish and Juju from Lily Lover's, were there and Tyler was there hanging out. And that was the night they officially asked Tyler to join the band was at, at the bonfire, you know? (laughs) So we got to witness a little history there. That was cool.
2: Cool. Hey, I got a quick question. I just thought of this. Yeah. Cassie plays drums. I saw a video. Yes. Yes. How long, how, how long has she been playing?
3: You want to, you want to talk about it a little bit, Cassie?
1: It's been two, two, two and a half years. It hasn't been too long.
2: Cool. Is Dougie helping you or is he c- critical?
1: He's pretty good. He's been giving me good advice, <laughs> but he lets me ask him before he gives me any advice.
3: Yeah. Nice. It's it's good. It's her thing, you know? She's your replacement. <laughs> I would not doubt that. I would not doubt that, actually. <laughs> I told her it'd be a lot of fun one day. This is no pressure or anything, but it'd be a lot of fun one day uh, to be able to like step off stage during a putts set or something and just like be in the crowd have some beers and enjoy watching the putts while she plays a few songs <laughs> i thought that'd be i thought that would be fun you know
2: that and, would be uh, pretty cool
3: yeah yeah
1: maybe one day i'll get there
3: yeah i think you will i think you will uh actually i had the pleasure of doing that with the Dutons a while ago uh, a long time ago actually because the drummer that was in the band before me had moved to florida That's why they were, you know, looking for a new drummer when I joined. But then a few years after I joined, the drummer came back to visit to Detroit and we already had a show booked and Jeff comes to me and says, uh, Hey, party time, Chris, that was his, that was a drummer's name. That's a cool, that's a cool nickname by the way. And, uh, party time, party time, Chris is coming back during that time period Would you, I think I I only remember how Jeff approached me about it, but I think he just asked me if if it was okay if they played the show with Chris. Um, and I was really into it. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, do it. And so I remember I loaded in with the band like I always would. I showed up with the band and all that. I was with them, you know, and helped with the merge like I always would. You're right. But then when it came time for them to play, I was fucking double fisting it (laughs) in the crowd with everybody else singing every song, I was like, "You'd have thought you'd have thought I was this fucking, you know, super super fan." Which I guess you have to be to be in the band, right? And it was a lot of fun, you know. And I remember ever since then, that was probably like 2008 or nine. Ever since then, I always thought it'd be really cool to try to do that again, you know. And so maybe we'll do that with the Platts one day with Cassie or something, a couple songs.
2: I think it's cool because it's not there's not many female uh, drummers out there. That's you know there's not yeah. many there's not many ladies that are into this shit anyways. So, uh, yeah. to find a, a fan and, uh, a player is that's yeah, yeah. cool.
3: She's really into it too. She lo- she loves bands like D cracks and tough. She likes all that. I call it stern. I call it stern, the stern stuff, you know, like re- that kind of I real. Love yeah. She loves D cracks. Um, stern Ramon's core that, that those rapid eighth notes and stuff. Um, and she's also she also likes the older stuff too. She plays she um she plays love songs for the retarded like up and down uh, as nice. part of her practicing. You know she can practice she can play that whole album. That's probably stuff on that album I've never tried to play. She can probably play stuff I can't play. So she's kind of at that point now where she's like really her work the work ethic part is what what really got me on board. Like I was like, all right, fine. You know she's trying to play drums or whatever. It's hard sometimes to really convince people you're serious until you actually just like put in the work and she clearly has, you know, nice. Yeah. She's like self-motivated. She's got a nice little setup in her basement. And if she wants advice or wants some help, she asks me, I don't put it on. I don't, I don't try to like, you know, pressure her to do anything either way. I don't try to like live vicariously through her or anything like that. It's her own thing. And I'm super, I'm super proud of her. Unbelievably proud of her. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like threatened or anything by it. It's, it's a relation. We're in a relationship and we play the same instrument. And for some people that could work for some people, it doesn't, you know what I mean? And, you know, if one day she gets in a band and they're way bigger than any of mine, I'd be stoked. (laughs) I'd be like, that's awesome. You
2: know? Yeah. You know? So you never know. That's how I look at it. You're really going for some serious points tonight, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs)
3: No, honest to God, I've. I've told I this is how I talk about her to everybody, trust me. <laughs> I'm super That's cool. Proud. Yeah, I'm super proud of her. Yeah. Awesome. Look, look for some good things from her in, in the future, trust me. There'll be some good things that may or may not involve me by the way. Yeah,
8: they might involve. You.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're we're talking about a couple You're things. Changing things up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got I've got a little change I'll be. I don't want to take any any spotlight away from her or this list of drummers. Well, I'm working on a little change of my own that might involve uh playing music with her won't involve nice. the drums though <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it goes
2: all right my next guy yeah. is a guy i don't know anything about and i didn't even know his name until uh just a couple of days ago his name is daniel cox he plays in dark thoughts mm. never knew his name it's just sometimes it's just that guy that just wails on the fucking drums oh yeah and this guy's amazing
3: yeah he's great
2: yeah he's, i mean that band is great there's just something uh yeah, oh, there's just something really special about that band but the speed that that guy can play is unreal. unbelievable yeah it's
3: unreal yeah devious ones we played with them in detroit a few years a couple years ago on like a devil's night show and uh a real small bar, really small bar. And I got to watch him, I got to watch that guy play like up close and personal, like right there. I was standing like a few feet away from him. And oh man, was he rocking that hi-hat. I couldn't believe it, you know? And yeah. they also, the cool thing about them, what I, I really respected this, was that they, you know, they played their killer set. Uh, it was back when the first album was out. I don't think the second album had come out yet. So that gives you an idea, time-wise. And they played a killer set. And they tore through it. It was fantastic. You know, devious ones played a um, couple other really good local bands played. And, but then I remember towards the end of their set, they, out of nowhere, they busted into holidays in the sun by sex pistols. And I was not <laughs> expecting that. And there's, it was so good though. Like they did it so well. And I'm like, Oh, they made it like not corny. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they turned it into like their song basically. And that's always been, that's always my approach like anytime you're going to do a cover try to own it. You know what I mean? Like don't try to replicate it. Don't try to replicate it. But at the same time, don't fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like do it justice, (laughs) but don't do it the same way that everybody else, the the original artist did it. You know what I mean? Just kind of find your own balance, you know, and, and own it. And they, man, they did. I couldn't believe it. Holidays in the sun. I'm like, whoa, this is really good. And of course, you know, they played it faster than it normally is because it's kind of not really that fast of a song but um uh, it wasn't the fastest song in their set either so it was definite change of pace for the for everything else they were already playing and it stood out and sometimes that's a good thing because sometimes people walk on there might have been people that saw them for the first time that night and they walked away remembering that you know yeah you know what i'm saying they didn't know what else they heard because they, they weren't really familiar you know, but they heard that and they walked away hearing that. So sometimes that stuff matters. He was awesome that night. He, he killed it.
2: Dark thoughts are kind of like, um, I put them in like scared of chaka and tenement. They're they're these kind of, I put them in the same little bubble together. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pop punk, but yet they're, they're, there's something different. They're like garagey a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, you ever watch those videos of like kids going down hills on bikes where they're like, they're going too fast and the fucking wheels start to shake. And you're watching and you're like, this fucking kid's going to crash. That's like dark thoughts to me. I don't think I've ever seen any videos like that. Never seen videos like that where these kids are going and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This kid's going to wipe out. The the wheels are going to come off this thing. And all of a sudden they don't crash. And it's just like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because their music is like it's like it's like almost out of control where it's like what's happening. It's like this isn't the Ramones core that I know this is something really special and it's like almost too far out there, but then it's like right there at the same time. That's, that's a really a fucking band blows my mind.
3: Yeah. That's a hard balance to achieve. You know, that's, that's a different, a whole different breed. And I'm not saying better or worse. I'm just saying a totally different breed. And for some people, some people that's not appealing. Other people, that's like what they supremely, uh, you know, veer towards. Who, who's next on your list? Okay, so next up, we mentioned him uh, already, his band, because Cassie loves them. I figured I'd throw some, some red meat to the Dummy Room crowd here. Mike D. Crackus, my man Mike nice D. Cracks. Probably don't need to explain that one to anybody. fantastic ambassador for for this era of the genre i think he he's a classy guy um you know he's obviously extremely talented uh and i also think when i think of the D Cracks, i think of sort of the i guess you could say the beginning of the era that we're in now they're one of the earlier bands and i think that's important and getting back to what we were talking about earlier about Sometimes, you know, sometimes we need to focus on these bands more. You know, everybody talks about a Screeching Weasel or a Queers, but I feel like some of these newer bands that are at their absolute prime right now get criminally ignored. And, you know, D-Cracks are kind of at the head of that pack, sure, and they do get, you know, their share of attention, but I still don't think it's enough compared to, especially, I I hate to keep pointing out the old-timers, You know, I'm trying my best not to, not to turn into that. The guy that won't leave in (laughs) 1998, you know what I mean? And I love all this, I love all the same music, dude. I'm, I'm going to be 41 in like a week, you know, I love all the same shit. I got onto all the same shit in the nineties that everybody else did, you know, but like, dude, there's so much good stuff happening now. And I'm still coming across people now that are just discovering D cracks. They've been around forever.
2: And I know blows my mind.
3: Yeah. But I think they they are a really important band for this this era that we're in right now, you know. And so Mike had to be on my list for sure.
2: Oh yeah, he's on my list a little higher up. My next guy, I don't, I honestly, I don't know anything about this guy. I know he's Italian. And he's in his 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 name is Marco. Mm-hmm. He's in Jagger Holly and On oh, okay. My Arms. Okay. And uh, yeah, man. I mean. He's in two great fucking bands. This dude has to be there. I've seen I've seen some video of him playing, mm-hmm. and he's he's fucking great, dude. That's I, it. I haven't heard on my
3: arms yet.
2: Oh my god, you got it. So John uh, John Cellar Dwellers did the um John Cellar Dwellers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, yeah. Put out the or uh, helped helped with the the CD the like the EP this year, and I listened to it. You know, and I'm like, this is this is really good. It didn't blow my mind at first, you know, mm-hmm. but um, if I went back and I listened to, like, I kind of went to their band camp at work, you know, and just sort of listened to everything, the mm-hmm. fucking band is amazing. Wow! Like one of the best Italian bands out there, and I don't know how active they are at all, mm-hmm. but um, they're like they're I'll amazing. That's a, yeah, you should. And that guy, I don't know, he, I mean, he's he's in Jagger Holly, so yeah, I like well, them. I, You know, that they're, they're amazing. And uh, Cassie
3: Cassie likes them too.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's talk about a, you know, I mean, they were already super, but you put, you know, it's like a super group, you know, Matt from D cracks. And now this guy from this on my arms and there you go.
3: Is that guy, is that guy, Marco, does he play on the, the Holly windowsill
2: split or is he newer than that? No, he plays on that. Okay. He plays on the windowsill split. I don't know if he played on... That last album that John put out? Um, um, I think he... I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure if he played on that. He played on the Christmas album. That's a great album, yeah. So, really oh, great. yeah. Yeah. Um.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I'll have to check out On My Arms. You know, when you say that about Italian bands, that says a lot because... Oh, yeah. Italy has been so dominant recently. Oh, my Lord. They've got like, <laughs> so much talent there. Like, what the fuck, dude? I mean, Europe in general, really. But man, Italy—if you had to pick one spot, you know that that might that might be ground zero for it. It would be Italy or maybe Germany. You know what I mean? But man, Italy's just loaded with talent right now. I keep I keep thinking, when is it all gonna fall? When is the when is when Are they going to dry up? When is it, you know what I mean? But then every year, some batchful of brand new bands keeps coming out. And I'm like, oh my god,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I know that that's a special place. And, it, and it this really year, is. you know, the last year we've had that Livermore's, we've had Mega, we've yeah. had new Mangies and this On My Arms band. And I mean, it just proton packs. Oh, and yeah, it's just it keeps going, yeah, and uh yeah special place but yeah i I, like i said i don't know anything about the guy but um i really enjoy the the bands he's in (laughs)
3: next Next up i got gregory rutherford um he plays drums for bad sports and radioactivity those are bands
2: i've never i've never really gotten into i've never uh, taken the time to to check out dude you gotta do it um basically uh radioactivity
3: is the singer for the marked Men, and Mm -hmm. he in who i like yeah yeah me too and uh I think he's got, I think radioactivity has got two or three albums out and um, they're fantastic. Uh, they're actually getting quite big these days and I believe, don't quote me, but I believe the backing band is Bad Sports and it's the dudes, it's the three dudes from, from it's TV's Daniel, that Orville guy and um, Gregory Rutherford and they back the Markman dude and that's radioactivity. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong with some of those studio recordings, but I know they've toured like that many times and devious ones played with radioactivity in Cleveland. Um, I guess that would be, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. I, I'm COVID's really messing up my memory. Like (laughs) I I feel, I really feel like I, I'm like, I could have recalled that a lot easier right before COVID hit, you know, anyway, played with them in Cleveland and they were fucking phenomenal and Gregory is I don't know how to describe it dude the dude is so rock solid tight metronome I mean nor- normally I i don't have a bunch of guys like this on this list for a reason because I don't really like to listen to a lot of music that's like so like this but he's he's got I'm roped in with him like I'm in with because there's enough melody in, in great songwriting in both bands to kind of make it not so sterile, this, this drum sound. Like um, when I think of, like, I think of like the vibrators and obviously the Ramones and stuff. The vibrators are a great example because uh, Eddie is so so rock solid and tight. And, he, and I love trying to emulate like that. It's so much fun for the right song, trying to emulate that, trying to play like that. It's very, it's a very clean, tight sound, arguably more so than anything the Ramones really ever did. And and Gregory takes that on a more, more modern level, but definitely you can tell he's rooted in that's the, a lot of the 70s punk that's not the Slophouse 70s punk like like Sex Pistols or something, but it's more like that super stern straightforward it's it's kind of what led to maybe power pop you know it's rooted in that real straightforward really nice clean solid beats eighth notes fast he's so good at that and radioactivity they were when we saw them when we played with them in cleveland they were a powerhouse. they did not stop they were just one song after another which you would normally expect to see in like a ramones core band or something like that but they they they're like garagey pop punk you know and they just fucking crush this set. I couldn't believe it. They didn't stop at all. They played this whole set. And this drummer, the whole time, was just pushing them like a locomotive. You know what I mean? Just pushing them. I couldn't believe it. And then I got to see Bad Sports, finally, after years of missing their sets in Detroit. Finally got to see them a couple years ago at a small bar. And they, were, they absolutely killed it. It was like a Sunday night or whatever, you know. And they absolutely crushed it. And this guy, Gregory, just again same deal is pushing them and pushing them like a good drummer does keep everybody on their toes you know what i mean and it just doesn't even miss a beat effortless he's super clean super you know he's not he doesn't try to get fancy but see what does that really mean though you know like i i think what he did was pretty fancy but he's not trying to do like weird fills and off time shit and not trying to hit a bunch of things at once or anything like that you know It's it's a nice, good, clean, solid, fundamental vibe, but he executes it with swagger. That's really what it comes down to. You know, it's not like he just learned it. It's not like he just learned it at a couple of drum lessons and that was it. He decided not to play anything else after that or get any better. No, this guy, I can tell he can play. But like Mark Marky Ramone, is a very good drummer if you've heard his stuff with dust or you've heard his Richard hell and the voidoid stuff, very different. That's all very different than what he does in the Ramones. And then when you hear him in the Ramones, like road to ruin his first album with Ramones, it, it should not surprise you that he is that solid and sound of a drummer, even though you've never heard him play that style, that forward eighth note style until the Ramones. But if you just listen to the record he made the year before blank generation, uh, with um Richard Hell and the Voidoids, he doesn't he doesn't play a lot of that straightforward eighth note stuff, but it it's here and there. But nonetheless, he is super solid, hits hard. And you can hear other nuances there that are fascinating too, like a little bit of jazz. You can tell he's he's got some classical training there. This guy, Gregory, is similar that I know that there's more there than just the eighth notes because he executes them with a the type of experience that only somebody who's done other things could do if that makes any sense i don't know
2: makes a little sense yeah (laughs) marky had marky has uh his own like spaghetti sauce though so yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyways now now he is of course yeah 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 who do you um who do i got my next guy is uh ricky rochelle okay Nice. So we're, we're talking uh, young Rochelle's, new Rochelle's, Project Twenty Seven. Uh-huh. This guy, I this guy can fucking play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the ability to play with the precision that he plays with and sing mm-hmm. at the same time—it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. really remarkable. Like, not many people can. Not many. There's not many lead singer drummers, anyways. Mm-hmm. But this guy, yeah. man, I don't know. I mean, it's it's yeah. really good, and he writes great songs, and he's got a great voice, but besides all that, I mean, just his drumming, oh man, he's he's one of the best right now.
1: I quit my dead end job, boarded a flight, had to leave the USA and night, I landed in Turin and found some meds, called the number, they filled my bags, I'm a clientele in Kosovo, while evading the Interpol, don't need a resume or PhD. Salary and now I'm working to clear my debts. I'm selling organs to pay the rent. I'm on a business trip on my rent.
3: fun watching i've played with them several times over the years it's always fun uh watching them like whatever i'm else whatever i'm doing milling around the show whatever um at the bar whatever i'm doing whoever i'm talking to when they get ready to start playing you know they're already up there they're set up they're tuned up and i always i want to they're one of those bands I, i make sure i don't miss a song because i just feel like something something about it like even even though i've seen them a bunch of times you know i still don't miss a song because Watching him, I, they're all good. It's fun to watch all of them. I'm not taking anything away from the rest of them, but like we are talking about drummers, so watching him, I look for the same things you just described. You know, like, you know how, you know how well is he going to execute this song or that song while he's singing this high note in this spot and that spot there. And of course, I have experience singing and playing myself, so I understand how challenging some of this stuff is. But yet, he'll just do it effortlessly. You know, like he'll make it look easy. And I know it's not. E- I know it's not easy, but he
2: makes it look easy. And it's just, he's great. He's well executed. You know, there's something about the way he plays, how he looks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like. I mean, if you were if you were just watching him play, and you weren't listening, like you had it muted. Mm-hmm. I you you. I don't think you would guess that he was playing what he's playing. You're right. Just kind of the way he holds his sticks or or what he does. But it's just yeah. like. It looks, it looks different than almost the other looks, guys, you know? Almost
3: looks um, – I don't mean this in a half-assed way or anything, but uh, I almost looks casual or relaxed. And then meanwhile, the other guys are at the front of the stage just like, you know, almost like spread them, like spreading those feet of power and just hammering on those guitars, absolutely hammering on those guitars. And Yeah. yeah, I, I see what you're, saying. what you're saying. Well, you know, if you think about what he's trying to do, sure i'm sure he'd love to cut loose too but you know he's trying to do a lot he's actually doing quite a bit back he's using every limb of his body including his head you know what i mean like uh so I, i mean i get it i totally get it there's times where i have to tone it down in order to pull off a certain song but then other songs in the set i might have less on my plate so i'll you know, I get more physically into it. I kind of like lose myself in the song more. And, and of course, the audience would notice that difference. You know, of course, he can't do that because he's he's got all a lot on his plate for every song. You know, like you said, yeah, he's the, he's the lead singer. um, And yeah, there's not a lot of that. I don't know how I feel about that. If it was it's it's great now because there isn't a lot of that. So you do see one every once in a while and you're like fascinated by it and you're into it. But what if that was a norm or pretty close to it? I don't know if we'd feel the same way, you know, like, so I think what he's got is special is it's really good, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is, it's so rare that Mm -hmm. when it happens, like you're saying, it's like, you notice it Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't know if it helps. I don't know if it hurts, but um, definitely uh, Mm -hmm. I take notice.
3: Oh Yeah. Definitely.
2: So it, it's in a way, it's kind of like, you know, if if there was a girl drummer in a band, you know, it just it yeah. doesn't. There's not that many, so it's like, oh, there's a girl in the band. Does it make them any different? Not really. Does no. it make them better? Maybe not. Maybe. Does not yeah. matter? But it's like you just notice that because it's just yeah out of the norm right now.
3: Yeah, and I'd love to see so. all. Of this, I'd love to see all of this change because if all of this changes and you have more lead singing drummers or more female drummers or whatever you know if it's it all represents more diversity is what it really means and yeah that's what i would love to see you know just more diversity i'd love to see go to uh shows and see diversity up and down the bill meanwhile you still have this uh uniform vibe or style you know like they're all pop punk bands are all Ramones core bands are all here for the same reasons. And the crowd is here for all of them, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, within each one, there are nuances and there are subtle differences like that to me is the perfect lineup for a show that to me keeps me engaged all night. Maybe I won't be spending half the time by the bar talking to somebody. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe I will be pretty interested in everybody that gets on stage. And I have, I have played shows like that before. And Usually, most of the time, I walk away going, that was a fucking, that was a good show. Like, that was, I paid attention to every band. You know, I'll be on tour and be bands I don't even know. But if it's this kind of a lineup, and it's this diverse and this engaging and different, I'm, I'm I can't am i wait to see who's next, as a matter of fact. You know, I'm like, right there, yeah. front of the stage, give me a fresh beer real quick, take a piss, be right back, boom, ready, just in time <laughs> for the next band. Let's see, let's see you this band, next band, you know what I mean? Who do you got
2: next on your list?
3: I got Gabe. Well, he's got kind of a funny last name. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, hopefully. Ushery. Gabe Ushery. And he's from Horror Section and mm-hmm. plays in Dan Vabbin and the Cheats. And he actually he actually plays in several bands. That's the other thing, too, I wanted to just say right off the bat, that I may not remember everybody as, everybody on this list. We're talking about drummers. So everybody's in a bunch of bands. I may not remember everything oh, yeah. everybody's doing. Um, I know he does some other stuff. I'm pretty sure Gregory Rutherford Rutherford does other stuff. Corey Richard, I know, does two or three other things that I forgot to mention as well. So, you know, um, that's just the way it goes, especially when you're talking drummers. So, uh, But Gabe Ushery, he, he runs uh, Encapsulated Studios in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And that's where the Putts recorded Rise and Shine. And we also recorded um, a new session there with a bunch of new stuff just a month ago or maybe it was a little more than a month ago, a bunch of new stuff for a bunch of smaller releases that are going to be coming out over the next year or two. Um, and then uh, hailing the crushers, the Jack Aranda um, seven inch and the the new church of flag single, that stuff was also recorded at encapsulated with Gabe. He's fantastic. Now he's on the list uh, kind of like Corey Richard. He's a multi-talented guy. He can play guitar as well. And, um, But I thought it'd be fun to have him on this list because um, he's also a really good producer. He's a really good uh, organizer. He's a a sound engineer. He's he's got this fantastic recording studio, which I I honestly believe it's like the spot right now. I really do. It's my favorite place to record. And um, it's just he's a a great guy. He's really smart, really cerebral, quiet, but... um, but he'll let you know if you're fucking something up. know <laughs> But uh I love him. And plus he also I learned something from him. He has like a dark approach to his drumming. Um he plays bigger cymbals for like a darker sound. And hmm. and he you is able to make that work. Not just make it work, that sounds bad. But I mean he actually turns it into a really cool trait for some types uh for some of these bands that complements the sound, like horror section, is perfect for horror section. You know, it's it is like arguably it's part of the sound besides Teflon Dave's voice. You know what I mean? Like it's part of the sound. If you were to change that, you would notice it. You would definitely notice it. And he kind of he kind of hipped me to that. So now I'm just sitting around waiting to to take that approach to something. I mean, I don't know if it would suit uh <laughs> a Haley the Crusher's recording or something. You know, but. <laughs> one day i'm going to do something i'm going to have something there with Gabe that i'm working on and i'm going to i'm going to want to use this this kind of darker approach with the drums his also his drums are are big and deep and he hits hard and i feel like you can you can when you listen to any of his recordings even the damn vap and the cheat stuff you can feel his drums like you know you can feel it in your chest it's great and that's kind of how you need to that's i think that's what you should do you know like a drummer needs to cut through not dominate but just cut through the wall of noise again we're in a genre where you know guitars can get pretty loud pretty fast if you're not careful and you know what I mean so he does a great job of, of uh, cutting through and he's a excellent guy I had to put him on this list so
8: he's gonna wander memories Will never fade. You showed so many ways to show how they took away your life, but I'm a now. The drums and echoes reaching out to me. To haunt my dreams Awaken to the misery Of your final struggling So listen now These wounds and echoes Reaching out to me
2: Who You got next? My next guy is uh Darren Chuka. Oh, yeah, Comes from uh DH Bottle Rocket, Old Wives. Uh-huh. Um, super nice guy, super yeah. funny, and uh, yeah, I think you know, when he when he joined Bottle Rocket, I was an Old Wives fan already, sure. and um, I remember uh, what well, they were they were kind of like teasing the announcement of, of who was going to be um, you know, replacing Brandon. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's, in and of itself something that was really strange to, mm-hmm. to do. I'm, I'm sure it was very hard for them. But um, when I found out that it was, uh, you know, they were kind of teasing it as a friend from Canada, mm-hmm. I immediately was like, man, I hope it's that guy from Old Wives. You know, because <laughs> I really liked that band. And then it was, I was like, holy shit. And I had never met him at all. Uh-huh. But um, I'm really glad it was. He's just he's a really good player, but he's got this sort of, um, this sort of quirky personality, you know, he's like all Canadian. He seems like, like the most Canadian guy ever. I love that. Like when you talk to him, but um, yeah. yeah, And his attitude was great. You know, he was very humble about joining nervous, that kind of thing. Just to, just to step up and fill those shoes that he had to, wasn't that he was feeling like, a really it's not just that Brandon was a great drummer and he had to replace him yeah which isn't easy oh. <laughs> you know oh. but um but um just because of the situation with Ray and the fans and and everything like that to be able to do that and pull it off is oh, yeah. unbelievable to me
3: yeah pull it off and do it with grace and class and style and still be himself at the same time not trying to be you know Brandon 2.0 or anything still you know all of that that's he he had all of that perfectly he did all that perfectly and very few people could have done that under those circumstances Absolutely.
2: exactly i agree yeah. and i mean you got to be obviously he's 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 a great drummer but um yeah like i said just to be able to 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 deal with all that to put that aside and and not yeah. i wouldn't want to do it you know cuz i don't like kind of pressure like that <laughs> yeah it's tough <laughs> you know i want i want easy street and obviously he doesn't care so yeah um well yeah. I th-
3: uh, you got to give the rest of the band a little credit too for that because i think they kind of understood whoever is sitting on that drum throne after brandon it's going to have uh some pressure you know whoever it is and so they're keeping that in mind with the choice of who it is you know and they want the person who's got the mindset we just described but at the same time they're gonna go f- to go to bat for that person if there's any any issues or whatever because it was their choice to put him there
2: you know yeah like yeah you know and uh I think they made the right call I, I really do I, I think they did it's too like one thing that I really liked about their decision was that they weren't just they were looking for a, a the guy you know it wasn't like they could have got anybody I mean they were on fat they could have just yeah grabbed some dude and and filled in for shows and stuff like that but it, it seems like they they waited for the right time and you know, and he totally fits. Like he looks just like he looks the part, you know, he acts the part. It's not, he's not the oddball guy out, you know?
3: Yeah, no, it's great. And he's also not the, the, the guy whose name you always forget. And he's not the rotating guy. He's not a different drummer every two or three tours. I'm glad that they took that approach. I'm glad. I mean, they could have easily just done a higher gun from there on out because you could arguably say that, well, without, without Brandon, then all 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 the fans would care to see are the guys in the front now. You know what I mean? I mean that's that, you know you could say that you know, and it might still be the case, but I don't think so. I think, but I I honestly believe he 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 Darren just kind of like you said he just he just kind of fits he fits right in, and now it seems like you know you go to see TBR and that's who you get. And you're sat you're very pleased with that like okay this is what i'm thinking of now this is tbr now this is great you know i think they ray and and cody and them and miggy they probably had that in mind when they were trying to figure out who to fill that spot they like you said they wanted the guy and yeah. he is the guy he's definitely the guy there's very few people that could have been that could have been the guy yeah there's probably tons of people that could have stepped in and you know played here and there like hired guns but um sometimes there's more important things than that and that would that would have helped the band kind of get along make some money or something like that whatever knock down a few tours kind of keep going but how happy would they be i think they know themselves pretty well and they know that they wouldn't be happy with a situation like that
2: they're the band like they're like at a beatles stage not obviously not the biggest the beatles but each member yeah. has its own has a personality has a name everybody knows them you know yeah yeah i mean it's not like one guy in the band that you can name it's like if you know teenage bottle rocket you know all those guys yep so That's right yeah so who you got
3: next uh let me look at my list okay so continuing with the hard-hitting drummers like i just touched on with gabe this guy's as spot as hard-hitting as it comes this guy's a beast uh kyle manning from off with their heads um and he also used to be in a band. I don't think they're active anymore, but they're fantastic. If anybody wants to check them out from Chicago called TENS, T-E-N-S. Uh, I, played some, I played some shows with TENS um, in Chicago. Kyle Manning, the guy is a beast. Um, he, when uh, Ryan, from Off of Their Heads, I think when he first moved to Chicago, I don't know, I guess, I don't know how many years ago that was now, but probably five years ago at least or something. Uh, you know, he's originally from Minneapolis. And when he moved to Chicago, and he's he's got that printing the printing company now, Fourth yeah, Shift, yeah. Fourth Shift yep. screen printing, whatever. I've and used them. I yeah, recommend so, them. So have I. Yeah, and I know you know who loves them is uh, John from Mom's Bake. Yeah, John <laughs> diehard, diehard, all about him. Yeah, I've used him I've used them several times. When Ryan first moved there, I don't know that I don't know if he really had met Kyle or knew Kyle yet at that point. I don't really know what their history is. I just know that ryan was in chicago finally living there and i hadn't we hadn't heard much about what off of their heads was doing it was kind of there was a lull between albums uh actually the most recent original album they put out it was several years since the the one previous to that so i think people were thinking what's going on here is ryan you know ryan got the screen printing company off the ground and did and started also in that same time period started doing anxious and angry. So he also, so he, he had all that to, to think about, you know, during that time, I think when it was time to kind of start doing things with off their heads again and put a lineup together in Chicago, I don't know how Kyle and him came across with they're, their best buds now. I mean, they're doing all kinds of stuff together now, but I don't know how they matter. Any of that stuff. All I know is I was playing with Kyle's other band tens and I remember I had a, I had a Nate, I had a nasty Nate moment, and that nice. was I was I was <laughs> I was playing with I was playing with tens. I forgot who I was even playing with. I don't know if it was Devious Ones or Dutons or something. I don't know. I was there playing with tens, and they blew me away. They were fantastic, and I remember thinking in my head. I remember thinking watching Kyle play. I remember thinking, this guy man, the only thing I can think of with this guy is off of their heads. Like that's the vibe I'm getting from this guy, you know? And then I want to say like probably not even a year later, maybe six months later, I hear that he freaking joins off of their heads. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like what? that's, that's, that's a nasty neat moment right there. And
2: like, that's awesome.
3: Yeah. Dude is a powerhouse and watch. He's the kind of drummer that, you almost have to remind yourself that there's other people on stage, too. <laughs> you know, like, you just keep yeah. like, watching him. I really don't think that's just because I'm a drummer, either. I think people do like to watch him, no matter what. He's very animated, very active, and just fantastic drummer. Fantastic. And he's a hmm. funny guy, too.
2: My next guy is the most out-of-the-bubble guy I got. Okay. And it's it's um, it's a guy that I think you probably know him... Um Neil Hennessy. Oh sure. Sure. Okay. So I, I I'm not a big Lawrence Arms guy. Okay. I've never sat and listened to an album or anything. Oh. Um. Wow. Never. I've just I've just I don't know why. I've just Okay. I just haven't. But um I those, saw those I saw Neil
3: brilliant. Those first few albums are brilliant.
2: Okay. And I don't know why, because like, you know, where I grew up here, um Slapstick used to play here a lot. Sure. They were like a big deal. They'd pack this place. Yeah. And, and then after that, like the Broadways would come up and play. So, and and I don't know why. I just never, for whatever reason. But I saw Neil, played at the, played at a place up here called The Warehouse. He, uh, he was playing in The Smoking Popes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike, by the way, who is one of my favorite drummers, didn't make the list because of the 25-year thing. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, but, but for Neil, I only saw him play one time and i'm watching the smoking popes who i love live and uh-huh. it's usually like you know it's one of those experiences because of because of josh and his his the way he sings live i don't know if you've seen them smoking popes yeah
3: a couple times once in like the 90s and then once i want to say like maybe
2: i don't know not quite 10 years ago yeah well, one of the things like I love them, but when they play, it's like it's there's a certain magic with that band between him singing and those guys playing guitar that it's just sort of mesmerizing. But Neil plays and he's so fucking good and he plays so hard that you just can't help but watch him play yeah, and
6: absolutely.
2: ever since ever since I saw that, yeah. I was like, this guy, man, he is one of he is one of the best drummers I've ever seen. And I remember after the show he told me that he had tried out for Morrissey. Mm, and I yeah, th- I, think I, think I think he was waiting. I think he was waiting to hear if he got the gig, but I was like, "Wow, this guy's that I don't, you know. Yeah. That's a big gig, you know." Yeah. So, but no, that one show I saw him play with the Popes, it was like, "Holy shit, this guy's this is something special, you know." So have you have like,
3: you ever seen him live with Lawrence Arms then, I take it?
2: No, I've never have.
3: No. Oh man. That's if you like watching Neil Hennessy, that's him that's like a pig and slop right there.
2: <laughs> I imagine because I, I, I do know what Lawrence Arms sound like, so yeah. I imagine it's it's him just going ape shit.
3: Did you ever hear his his other band Baxter? Ever heard Baxter
2: that? yeah I I did I've looked him up a little bit I've looked into that yeah. and uh yep Baxter yep. yeah
3: very good very good Neil's a good dude he a real good dude
2: and uh was he was he in Rise Against? I don't think so I maybe oh, I don't know I'm not the expert I don't I'm I, trying to remember I thought I saw something Rise Against and I I'm not into that band I don't know anything about them I, but that's I, a big I, I, deal I, I if either. he was I'm not either. I
3: I saw them on that first tour when that Fat record come out came out like I don't know what t- almost twenty years ago now I guess that first the Unraveling that album, which I didn't mind. I saw them on that first tour, and that was it. Saw them a couple times during that time. That was it. He wasn't in the band
2: I, then. He wasn't in the band then. He was. Okay. Re- I have no idea. So yeah, but he's a, just just a really good drummer. And like I'd probably like to put Mike on the list because Mike's a nice guy and he's a great drummer. Uh-huh. and uh but yeah that that 25 year thing yeah he gets the honorary I'm thing
3: i'm glad <laughs> we're keeping our guys a little on the newer side i i tried to do that with my list is just like because i i think it's important to talk about what's going on now too you know like um a lot of good new stuff going on now and um like I said, like I said, I just don't want to be those that stereotypical forty-some-year-old dude that always says shit was better back in the day. I fucking hate that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I
2: don't think it's. I mean, obviously, there's some bands that were better. You know, yeah, the legends sure. were 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 really good, but I think we talked on the phone about this. I mean, you know, everybody knows I love Screeching and Weasel and I love the Queers, but I I think I always say it, but you know, like Windowsill to me is is just as yeah. maybe not as important historically, but mm-hmm. right now, yeah, um. They're important. They're important yeah. to me and like D Cracks. D Cracks. Can you imagine if D Cracks came out in '93 or '94?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my
2: God. Yeah. Well, the other the only the flip side of that argument, you can say
3: that about a lot of bands, and you'd be right. But the only flip side of that argument is you have to rem- you have to remember '93 '94 there wasn't like the scene the scene we talk about now this bubble we talk about now it well really wasn't a bubble you know it was a much bigger broader yeah. wider thing Plus, oh yeah it was a big the deal world, the world of punk too was not as secular as it is now there wasn't so many there wasn't so many subgenres. you know there was a handful and that was about it i used to hate the term i hate i actually now i hate the term ramones core I know I have to use it sometimes, but but back in the day I used to hate the term <laughs> pop punk for the same reason. And I never I never used to think of like a screeching weasel or a queers as a pop punk. I never did. Like in the nineties, never did. I don't even think that term really existed until the cheesy pop punk band started getting big, like in the two thousands. Then that term kind of started getting used more and started being referred to on both sides as the old nineties style pop punk and of course the later douchey pop punk, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean.
3: That became a thing. But in the moment, in the nineties, you're at the record store, you're buying the new you know, parasites, rat ass pie LP, or you're picking up the new pen gunpowder or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You're not mm-hmm. you're not you're not buying pop punk records, you're buying punk records. You're just gonna go to the store and go buy some records, buy some punk records. You know what I mean? That's it. You know it, yeah. um, you know what I mean? They're just more melodic. I know what you mean. Melodic. No, it's not the same thing as total chaos, but I I never really split hairs. I'm like, well, one's like more hardcore, the other one's more melodic. Sometimes you're in the mood for this or that. That's it. it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. You know what I mean?
2: I know what you mean, man. Uh, you know, I I when when this when this podcast started, there was a thing with Ramon's core, and I was like, fucking hate that term. You know, I just I just don't like it. Yeah, because. I don't like it because people people call screeching weasel ramones corn i'm in the camp of screeching weasel doesn't sound like the ramones at all you know i mean they're 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 they're, there's way different but i mean it's just you can tell their influence but yeah i hated that term i've kind of come around on it you know because sometimes you have to use it and it's like well it does make sense for certain things so yeah you know and then you you just start throwing it around a little too loosely sometimes that's the problem you know where well, it's, like, think, it's like chick It. chick sticket is not a ramones core band you
3: know no Well, i think that we saw the same thing happen with the term pop punk and now it's so far into its existence that we've accepted it but at yeah. one point at one point i was i was making the same observation about the term pop punk thinking you know you motherfuckers are you, are throwing that shit around way too loosely now we got bands like you know Newfound Glory and Simple Plan, they're pop. Fuck you. You know what I mean. And then all of a sudden, but but then from there, when that stuff gets huge, and it did, and that shit was all over the radio, and there was tons and tons of clone bands like that, then you can't control it anymore. Then you know, Rolling Stone is using the term. Then fucking, you know, everybody's using the term. Then at that at that point, was like, I I hadn't really accepted the term yet, as pertaining to like you know, lookout type stuff or whatever. I hadn't really fully accepted it at that point. I, I still was, I still thought it was, I was still uncomfortable using it in terms of, you know, that. And then at some point I did the same thing you just described. I kind of just came around on it because now at that point it was like, there were so many subgenres with punk that was like, well, I want people to know sort of what I'm talking about when I say, when I'm talking about the queer yeah. or parasites or termites or something like that. Uh, so I might say like I might start saying like '90s pop punk, you know. Okay, well that's good enough. That that gets the idea across, you know. I still hate that I say that, but you know whatever. It is what it is. But that doesn't that doesn't really pertain to a lot of these newer bands now. So that that's where like Ramon's core comes in, and of course using it loosely comes in,
2: you know. So yeah. whatever. Yeah. So who do you got f- next?
3: All right. Well, next up continuing with the Chicago deal, like with Kyle also from Chicago, uh, Mary Rose Gonzalez, uh, first, uh, check on my list so far. Remember, I'm not really going in any order, so I, there's no order to any of these. I'm just stoked on all of them. Um, uh, Mary Rose Gonzalez plays in a band called mystery actions, um, in Chicago. And she is fantastic. Um, I remember the first time I saw her play, it was 2013 and I was on that Lady in the Monsters tour that I told you about. And we played Chicago with mystery actions and they were a new band at that time. They were kind of uh, loose. They were pretty loose. Um, And I remember seeing her sit down at her kit. She's a, she's a tiny little thing too. She's a little uh, firecracker, you know, and she'd sit down at her kit and she'd hold the sticks almost like, like awkwardly, you know, and she'd sit at the kit a little awkwardly, almost like it was going to attack her. So she was a little, you know, gun shy <laughs> or whatever. And none of this was this was just little nuances. I'm not saying this is actually how she felt, but these were like little things that I noticed from the body language, you know, and man, dude, as soon as they started playing, as soon as she started playing, whatever all of that was, if it was anything at all, it was gone at that. She immediately took control immediately took control and i was so impressed i was like whoa whoa first of all it taught me a bit about myself don't judge somebody on the way they drum they they hold their drumsticks <laughs> you know but, <laughs> you know she she held it like like a kid in in class you know that's just learning you know what i mean but yeah yeah did she rip and then ever since then you know i was seven over seven years ago now Ever since then, I've kept an eye on her over the years, and we're friends. You know, we're buddies. I wouldn't say we're we're not super friendly or anything, but like, you know, we know each other. We've played shows together and stuff. We've we've talked a little bit here and there. She's really nice, but I've kept an eye on her and the band really, and seen them and taking great pleasure in seeing them develop over the years. And they are now, dude, they are so good. They are so freaking good. Like, wow! I played um. Uh, with them devious ones to play with them. Uh, when we were in Chicago a couple of years ago, we we did we backed um, Nikki Corvette for a, like an outdoor festival. And oh, nice. Yeah, we were her backing band, and she headlined. And the fest, but the out this outdoor festival was done by like eight or nine o'clock, something like that. And we played like the last set of the night it was like an hour of Nikki Corvette or whatever. So we played that. And then we hustled over to uh liar's club and we played the official after party of the fest as devious ones. I mean, Nikki came and hung out, you know, she was there hanging out and stuff, but we would play. It was a devious one show essentially, you know, and mystery actions played that with us. And man, wow, dude, I think that might've been my first time seeing them since 2013, like actually seeing them live. And I, uh, I had been kind of like watching over the years then made dad made a whole lot of recordings in that period of time they're actually most of the recordings have been in like, like the last couple of years so and they're really good. but I kind of you know that was my first time seeing them live. They had a different bass player and they just man they had their shit together. I, I was like wow, they came a long long way and all of them kind of I feel like they all kind of started out on their instruments relatively the same uh, like the same period of time i feel like when they started the band together it was probably something like you know three or four friends that are like hey i'm thinking about trying to play guitar or i'm thinking about trying to play drums let's let's do something together and they're all kind of at the same level with their instruments which is a good thing Mm -hmm. that's awesome because they can learn these they can learn things together, you know. And there isn't like that one person that's going to stand out because they've been playing for too lo- too much longer or whatever, and kind of ruin this vibe. They have a vibe going. They have a vibe going. Don't ruin it, you know. So, she's on. She's on the list because she just she just owns it, man. And like she knows she's different, unique, and she just kind of she has that cool swagger. She's not unapproachable or anything, but she's got that cool swagger. I like that because, you know, um, she's earned it. You know, she paid her dues. No one no one gave her a thing. She she learned how to play those drums very well. And she does it extremely. You can tell she takes it seriously. She it's not like she's just trying to be in a band. Sometimes I feel like I'm just trying to be in a band. Like I'm just the guy, I'm just enjoying being in a band. But like <laughs> she, you know, so, you know, that's just sometimes I just want to be the guy in the band, you know? And but she's like serious. She, you know, you can tell she, you know, like there might be some part of a song they were writing that got her all hung up on something and it ate at her. I know the feeling it ate at her. She went home, worked it out in her head. She was going to fix this. She was going to make sure she could play this, this weird spot, you know, or whatever. I could tell, you know, she's, she's, uh, I think she really thinks about what she's doing, which is cool. You know, that's cool. She's great.
2: I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, my next, next guy on my list I think it's pretty obvious, uh Mikey Erg. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. This it's almost unfair, right? This guy's been in so many bands that it's just Yeah. That's what you think about. I mean, the Ergs alone, I mean, the singing, the playing ability, songwriting, but then, you know, he's played in I don't know, a dozen bands at least. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like used kids and houseboat and unlovable's dirt bike Annie. I mean, it just the list keeps going. And yeah.
6: he is death. just
2: a really good, good drummer. Yeah, slow death. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think I think he kind of almost leaves the list because, in a way, uh, because he's he's gone beyond the drums now. You know, I mean, he's he's like yeah. singer songwriter kind of guy now, which is really cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's like mm-hmm. he's 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 almost too big for a list like this not too big but you know he's branching out a little too much well sooner or later he's going to be known for something more than the ergs um he just loves music i mean he he's not like me i'll admit it like i'm terrible like i like what i like i you know i stay in the same lane he's listening to everything and i mean i respect that i just it's just not me so i i think that when he he starts to to experiment musically it's like i i i kind of like it because i like his voice you know and and i hear yeah. his voice and it's immediately like you know i don't i don't immediately think the ergs but i i just you know he does solo stuff it's nothing like the ergs i still like it because i, I still have his voice there to kind of bring me back to that to that sure. ergs um yeah. familiarity you know yeah yeah
3: that's great um uh, Ca- i know cassie's a fan Cassie likes the Ergs. played with, um, let me think it was, I want to say 2007 or eight. We played with the Ergs Dutons. We brought them to Detroit. They were on tour of the parasites and, uh, we, it was a really bad storm. It was summertime, but it was a really bad summer storm. Some of them get pretty nasty, like cause floodings and stuff. And this one was really nasty and the power kept flickering out. And we, we opened and the power flickered a couple times during our set and we thought we were we were worried that we weren't gonna get through our set and we were even more worried that we weren't gonna get, you know, through this show. We were the first of three bands and you know and then the ergs went on and the power continued to flicker until finally at some point maybe halfway through their set, the power just completely died. And it was still It was still, it was summertime and we got the show kicked off relatively early. So believe it or not, it was actually still a little bit light outside still. And there was some, some light coming in from some of the windows in the venue. So it wasn't complete pitch black, you know, without the power on, but obviously they couldn't keep playing. So they started playing Ramones covers and the crowd sang them all and they were playing Ramones covers. And the only thing you could really hear is a little bit of, you know, picks hitting strings, and the snare drum, you know, the the bass drum and the snare drum, you know, and the guys just, you know, and Mike He's just hitting them a little softer now. That's all, you know, they kind of made it like this Impromptu, you know, uh, I don't know you want to call it, karaoke style, you know, they're playing songs Songs everybody knows to keep everybody engaged and it worked. It was brilliant. It was a lot of fun power eventually came back on I don't know if they were able to finish their set, but I know that Power came on and the Parasites did their whole set with no problem. But that was that was a great experience. That was like maybe
2: 2007
3: or something like that.
2: They kind of did it even in Blackouts thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's my buddy Brad right there. Brad's a good dude.
2: Um, so who do see. you got next?
3: Okay, next up I got... um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'll try it, but I'm, I might murder it. Um, Patrick... McEachney or it might be McEachney it's spelled like the word each but I think it's pronounced acne McEachney uh Patrick from Corner Boys and he's also in a band called Chain Whip and he's from Vancouver and it's great because this guy all right so this guy he's like a little skinny dude and he man you listen to Chain Whip this guy's savage like that that band is fucking sweet like they're, hard, they're a hardcore band. Like, I think they're a real hardcore band. Like, when you listen to them, you'll know what I mean. Like, early 80s, like, DC-type shit, right? Okay. Like, to me, that's, like, the real deal. You know, that's – they're real. They have that vibe to them. You know, nothing – they're not trying to, like – they're not tuning in drop D or any shit like that. You know, they're not <laughs> – they don't have, like, compressors <laughs> and stuff like that. They don't have all this digital amps and stuff. None of that shit. You know, it's, it's 100%, like, real deal, organic. I love it. And then on the flip side, he does Corner Boys. Super catchy, garagey power pop stuff. And it's the same guy, it's Patrick, playing drums for both. And it's a great example of, I think we you kind of touched on it a little bit with some people, including me and some of the other people we were talking about, of having range, a drummer that has range. And Patrick has great range, and I like seeing that out of him. And he ate, um, I remember, I think it was, it uh, might have been, I don't know, I think he started Corner Boys first before he before Chain Whip. And I remember he posted this picture of a classic 70s, it might have been 60s, era, all white. It was beautiful. All white, like old school, total Tommy Ramone Rogers drum set. I'm like, wow. and hmm. He just bought, he just got it right? He was so excited. I remember seeing this picture. I was so, I was excited for him. And I was like, man, I'd fucking love to have that drum set, you know? And yeah. he <laughs> he was so stoked. It was like literally, it was white. We've seen Tommy Ramone play the White Rogers. And yeah, it's like iconic. I'm like, Where the fuck did this guy get this drum set in Vancouver? You know what I mean? Like, what? This bastard. And I'm like, man, damn. That's like probably the last one left and he's got it and i remember thinking oh man what's he gonna do with that i don't know and i'm like bummed out right well then he he starts as the years go by this was many years ago as the years go by these two bands of his just get cooler and cooler and more prolific and now chain whip they're they have an album called 14 lashes and it's selling really well and they've got a lot of buzz around about them but he, he plays that fucking Rogers drum set for both of them. And he fucking, like, I mean, just punches it. Like, I'm like, wow, this skinny little dude, man. he's He's got some attack. He's very impressive. He's very impressive. So you should check out Corner Boys and Chain Web. I think Cassie likes Corner Boys, too. I'm just keeping track here. I'm starting to figure out that well, she's getting me into a bunch of bands. <laughs> there you go. She's, She's over in the bed sleeping, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to get her engaged, but it's like two. It's like after two o'clock in the morning here right now.
2: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh. Patrick Cornerboy's chain whip. Check him out. All right. Here's here's a guy that he's an Italian guy, another Italian guy, you know. So you know he's gonna okay. be fast, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it it I don't know what you call him. Luca, Luca Bubblegum, Mingu Bubblegum, but um yeah. that guy from the teenage bubblegums this guy can play so fast he's got like a really good case of blurry arm you know that when he plays it's like it looks like it's it's camera trickery
6: yeah like you can't play
2: that fast but he does and it's amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know how you know i mean the band is like another guy when they're playing it's like you can't help but just watch him play yeah because of that it's like and he's so precise with it too like it's not sloppy it's he's dead on yeah i don't know how he does it
3: that's amazing man i'm not you know i love watch. i love watching guys play that now don't get don't get me wrong i think there's a point where some points where it becomes a distraction but if you have the right (laughs) music there's no reason for that if you if you have good songwriting and the rest of the band has a good presence, then it should be pretty even all around, you know. And, and maybe then I will admit, if I'm watching the drummer, still more than everybody else, it's probably because I'm a drummer. All right, so I'm willing to bet that it's yeah, pretty exactly equal. Yeah, it's pretty equal with everybody else watching. You know, the rest of the crowd's probably enjoying it as a whole, which they should be. You know, so maybe I'm just being the the you know the drummer, the nerd. Okay, but but I, I you know I. I can't help it, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. As soon as you find somebody like that, you just love watching them play. Like, I was just talking about Kyle Manning that way. I love yeah.
2: Kyle Manning play, you know. I feel tired after I watch him play. <laughs> I'm wore yeah. out. Wore no. Out, you know? with, with Bubblegums, I mean, yeah, it, it seems like it might be distracting, but you also have, you know, you've got two people up front switching back. Every, I mean, every song is dual vocals, yeah. and, and Allie's this, this little woman with... Like, this yeah. big bass, and she's totally rocking out, and it's like, you can't help. I mean, they're all having fun, love playing, it looks like, and yeah. it comes through. But, yeah, that guy, man, to keep up, oh, I, sure. it's just amazing that he can play like that. Absolutely. I, I, I can could, I could see, like, one song, but how you can do that for, you know, a 20-minute set or a 30-minute set just blows my mind. I mean, their albums, what I love about their albums, because I got ADD, I can drive to work. I can do my 15 minute commute to work and listen to a whole album by the time I get to work. That's per- that's perfect to me. <laughs> I feel I feel some sense of finality in that, you know. Yeah, I feel the accomplishment cuz some yeah. albums it's just like, "Oh, I only made it to track 5 and I love it so far. I hope the rest of it doesn't suck." But when it's like, "Oh my god, track 1 was as good as track 10." It goes by. I love mi- 1 minute, 2 minute songs. It's just it's just great, you know. All right, so who do you got next up? Tony Curtis. So
3: he's from Toronto and he used to play in school damage. Plays in a band called Plastic Heads. Um, but School Damage, he's on those, I think he's on like the first couple albums. And uh he's fantastic, high energy. He can go from playing like wide open quarters to a straightforward eighth beat, like on a dime, no problem. He can change it up, and he's got that long hairy whips around or used to anyway. And he's fun to watch live. If you meet him and you and you get to know him. He's like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean this insulting at all. I mean this in a complimentary way. He's like a Spicoli.
7: All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine.
3: He's like a total Spicoli type, you know. Like nice. he's super fun, up for usually up for whatever, you know. Not he doesn't take himself too seriously, you know. He's not there's no ego here, and if he can if he can engage in a conversation with you about masters of the universe he will you know like (laughs) (laughs) he's like the biggest Masters of the universe fan i've ever met nice you know he's like one of those toy guys you know and he's got all the toys you know and he is so full and it and it and it worked that personality worked extremely well with uh the the rest of the band school damage at the time because they're all the same way so they're all super fun band to hang out with and Tony is like right in there fit right in with that. I, I, am pretty sure that everybody's all still friendly. You know, I don't think there's anything weird or anything or any bad blood or anything, but, uh, I, I think Brad from school damage had told me a little bit a while ago. It was a maybe a year or two ago when it happened, but, uh, but I don't remember it being like a negative thing or anything. Um, but he's a lot of fun. Tony is a ton of fun and I've had him at my house a couple of times. I've had, I've booked school damage in Detroit a couple of times. They're always a blast. I've, played, um, the putts toured with school damage up in Canada back in 2015. And, uh, that was a blast. They, they, they set us up with like a bunch of shows. They, we didn't have to worry about a damn thing. They set us up in Toronto. They set us up in Ottawa, Montreal it was like a whole, a whole, you know, slew of, of Canadian shows on this tour. We were, it was a bigger, it was part of a bigger tour. We were doing like, we went down to the East coast and stuff too. They put together this whole like Canadian, leg for us to play with them the whole time and it was fucking blast dude i couldn't those guys are so much fun but at the same time they're not knuckleheads you know we all know fun guys that can't keep their shit together (laughs) this is not this this is not them they've got it in control on both fronts and um tony curtis great drummer school damage plastic heads i highly recommend you check them out if you don't already know
2: school damage is great yeah My number three is uh, a Wisconsin dude, Johnny Mickelson from Jetty Boys.
7: When the wind gets quite too slow, when your job is sure can't blow, when it feels like life is wasted. I think of all the fun I've had. I think it's time to go get rad. I think it's time.
2: Oh my god, this guy's amazing. He's fun to watch. This is the guy like and I'm pretty sure this is I'm correct on this. He he could come mm-hmm. over and practice, uh-huh. then he could fix your car. And then and then <laughs> yeah, it, he, yeah. he looks like he could probably take you on <laughs> in like beach volleyball too. Yeah. You would just think like, man, like, I mean it looks like a you know, like he's a quarterback guy, but he's like a car guy yeah. and he's a big hockey dude. <laughs> he can drum like oh my god, he's so good and he's fun to watch and he can sing, dude. Yeah, he's got it
3: all. He he really is like the whole package. He is. He's got it all. Yeah,
2: and he's in the best Wisconsin band there is, and um and he's a nice guy too. So yeah, I think I met I met him about ten years ago. Good dude. Good dude. Him and I tell
3: you what, watching him and Eric on bass oh, yeah. is great. I feel like I feel like they uh, like like a good a good rhythm section of a band. You can just kind of tell they have a. You should be able to just from the audience watching them you should already be able to pick up on their vibe like whatever they have going on on and off stage you should be able to feel it in the as a as somebody just watching the set you know and i definitely felt that they had that they were like on the same wavelength i definitely remember feeling that when i first saw jenny Boys the first time like 10 years ago and i was like yeah these these guys are legit and i was really impressed with johnny yeah i remember that that's a good that's a good call i hadn't thought about him in a while and uh
2: but that's a really good that's a really good call good good one to add to the list yeah, for sure so his nickname cut. is buns Buns. I, I don't know i don't know why i should find that out but um yeah i love yeah. that band and and yeah that guy is just he's a beast um okay here we go um sticking
3: with the canadians i didn't realize i kind of made the list so it kind of another canadian here um her name's Lynn and she's from pale lips. Okay. Uh, we were talking earlier about how 2019 was such a good year. Pale lips was a big reason for that. Um, their after dark it's album really good. was in my top 10. Yeah. It was pretty high in my top 10. It was actually my, I usually don't even try to rank top tens, mm-hmm. you know, but I actually did a little bit last year cause I just couldn't avoid a couple of those records just had to be up there. You know what I mean? And, and pale lips was one of them. And, um, so, Lynn, she's originally from Windsor, which is just right across the Detroit River from me. So it's not far. Windsor is kind of like a I guess a little brother city to to Detroit. Um, and um, they're just cities that, that face each other. it's It's funny because it's just a it's a river that divides these two basically these two different countries, you know, she's from originally from Windsor, but I think she lives in Montreal now. and um she's in another band called Dirty Cheetah. It's more like um kind of almost like a little scummy rock and roll type yeah, I've thing, heard you know. Of them. Yeah. Have you? Okay. But I, I'm a big Pale lips fan. I love Pale lips. Like I think they're probably the best thing going in Montreal. Probably one of the best things going in Canada right now. Honestly. I I think they're fantastic. I can't wait to see what else they do. Um they got a good nucleus. They got a really fun, talented, but smart, really smart vibe to them. They're not Cookie cutter, either. I like, no, I, not at all. Yeah, exactly. See, you know, I, I mean, we've seen like, uh, like there's some bands, you know, it's like, uh, like Baby Shakes. I feel like they're kind of like, I, they're good at what they do and everything. But it's like, eh, if I want that, it just goes, go listen to like Josie Cotton or Nikki Corvette or something. You know what I mean? Like, but Pale Lips, something different going on with them, you know, and I feel like that's going to continue to happen. They're, I feel like they're they're not afraid to take on new things and to try new things. Like I like that about yeah. them. You know, um, I've gotten to know Jamie, their bass player, fairly well. Uh, recently, I don't know. I guess there's this phenomenon I've been thinking about recently about uh, how there's been a lot of new friendships started because of COVID. I don't know if that's a thing for everybody else. I think it is. But I've I've actually grown closer to several people because of covid you know because of this pandemic and and jamie and i became very good friends we were we already knew each other for a while but like we we talk a lot now we we talk a lot and i told her i was putting this list together and i told her i really liked drummer lynn and i've she already knows that i actually i'm a big lynn fan she already knows that i've admired lynn for a while now but jamie gave me a little insight i didn't know this so I thought maybe I would wait and talk about it on the show about Lynn. Lynn's brother is in the briefs. No shit. I, I had no idea. It's like what? Lynn's brother <laughs> is in the briefs. I don't know a whole lot about it, but apparently Lynn's brother is in the briefs. So I'm like, wow, okay. Now Lynn, Lynn is rock and a roll lot family. Man. Yeah, dude, totally, totally. Now the cool thing about Lynn is like. Not, and this goes for all the Pale girls. There's no, absolutely zero egos. Zero egos. And if you're in this, like, real fucking hot, fun, tight, solid, well-executed, sharp, slick outfit band, Montreal, got a lot going for you. I can see in a lot of cases there might be an ego or two. Man, all these Chicks are super fucking cool. Super cool. They're grounded as hell. Take it from me. I know Jamie very well. She's grounded as hell. She runs Rita Records, who co-released um, the Hailing the Crushers Jack okay. around. She... I didn't know that.
2: Yeah. I didn't know yeah, she was Jamie's part
3: of that. Label. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, ja- it's all Jamie. That's all Jamie's label, Rita Records. And uh, but yeah, Lynn definitely belongs on this list. She's she's dynamic. She hits just as hard as any guy. Of course, she's fun. And she's smart about what she does. Sometimes the song just calls for something, and she does it. And it might not be a flashy drum beat, and because that, but that makes the song better. You know, it's whatever's good for the song. I've always tried to take the same approach myself too. You know, I'm just whatever makes the song good. And she's good at that. I I admire drummers like that.
2: Does she go by Lynn Lips?
3: I would Lynn Lips. <laughs> Lynn Lips. Uh, I think I think her name and uh, I don't have it here with me. Her name and Dirty Cheetah is like. Linda something she goes by like Linda something something that's rock and rolly anyway she's fantastic and I'm looking forward to seeing lots of good new stuff from pale lips hopefully down down the road
2: yeah uh, me too man that that after dark is a really good record
3: oh it's perfect it's almost a perfect record really
2: my guy is uh uh, uh, you've already had him on your list I think he's gonna be the only guy we have in common it's Mike from D cracks oh yeah sure d cracks sometimes when you listen to them you crank them up it's like the musical equivalent of getting run over by a fucking car you know yeah Yeah. how how do they i mean everybody in that band is just on point the songs are brilliant And, and and mike just to be able to play like that and sing and when you watch him he's just having a fucking blast like yeah it, it, nobody's taken anything serious, but you would never know because of the music. It's so intense, but yet there, there's, yeah. he's smiling and making monkey sounds. And it's just, it's just so much fun. And he's a nice fucking dude. Yeah. Dude, the crowd feeds off of that. The
3: crowds are, they're not going to have fun unless you're having fun.
2: Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's, he's good enough. He's been in, uh he's in isotopes and, mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. uh, some band called smoke or fire. I don't know anything about him, but he's in him. Oh, I know. So yeah, I know. Though, yeah, I, I, they're, they're a little bit out of the they're, bubble. They're I think. A thing. Yeah, they're like yeah. a big deal. I think. Yeah, they are. Uh, Mike's also played with uh, Jagger Holly. So no, yeah, Mike D. Cracks is. I, I don't want to yeah. say he's number two, but he he came in number two, and um, yeah, he. You know, it's kind of funny because he, he always he always reminds me of Hulk Hogan. We've been hanging and
7: banging, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. he kind of like just plays like that. He's he's he wails, man. Yeah. He's he's great, man. That's good. They're a fucking powerhouse, man. And uh, Mike Mike's a nice guy. He's actually he's uh, participating in a uh, dummy room special coming up two weeks two weeks away. You'll hear Mike on uh, on the show a little bit, a little teaser there. Who's your last person?
3: Uh, real quick, you know who else had a couple little stints in isotopes. Uh, I think for just some tours, is your boy in uh, Young Rochelle's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he put he him and uh, the bass player, him yep. and Rookie. They Ricky. both played with Isotopes on a couple tours, I think at least. I
2: Something forgot like about Ricky playing with them. Yeah. yeah. Completely yeah. forgot. Um, all right, last guy.
3: Um, all right, so this guy, it was important to me to mention him. Cassie's a big fan of his. They're they're good friends. Actually, this guy has given Cassie uh, a couple of drum lessons. He's a local guy here in Detroit. His name is Phil Warren, and he's so diverse. It's not even funny. This guy does it all, and this guy makes it look easy. And he plays in. He's one of those guys. He's like he's in every band in town. You know, he's in. (laughs) Man, listen, listen. He's in. I wish she was awake because she'd be able to give me much more insight than, than I have already. But he's in a band called Downtown Brown who – they actually live in L.A. They're actually based in L.A. now, but they they were originally from Detroit. They're very like punk funk. I don't know. It's like all over the place. But you have to be pretty skilled to keep up with them, and and Phil can do that. He's in a band called uh, Amino Acids, which is which has been a staple here in Detroit for over 20 years been around for a long time and um but phil phil's on the younger side he hasn't been in the band the whole time phil's like younger than younger than both of us and um amino acids is like um like weird surf rock like man or type shit you know and they got like the theremin the full nine you know the, the <laughs> this, this old sci-fi movie sound clips in between songs and things like that you know uh and they, they, they wear like masks and stuff. You never see who they are and stuff. It's a whole it's a whole production. It's really cool. Hmm. And he's also in Acid Witch. He's in Detroit uh um Detroit Party marching band, I think they're called. It's a fucking marching band that shows up at the bar <laughs> and starts playing contemporary songs. It's a fucking full on marching band. They got like marching wow. band out. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. They just and it just they it's, it's unbelievable. You know, there's a ton of them anyways in that. And then he also plays drums for Esham. It's fucking rap. Like one of the originators of horror rap. He's considered like one of the early horror rap guys. Horror
2: rap? What is that? Like, like rapping uh, about horror movies and shit like the Jasons, but rap? No,
3: like like ICP. <laughs> and shit.
2: Oh, I don't know. But without okay. the makeup,
3: but without the makeup, you know. Well, that's good. Um, so anyway, Phil's extremely talented i really wanted to mention him here um he's just a really good dude he can do it all he's in other projects i'm not thinking of and he's been on tour he's been all over the place i think i don't quote me but i think he backed hr from bad brains i think he played on his backing band for some tours too i think he's played with him he's dude phil is like the guy he's played with everybody. And, uh i just had to, i just had to put him on this list because he's such a great drummer and uh uh he's he's given cassie some lessons in the past he's real he's real um interested in in her in her journey her drum journey you know he helps her with that advice helps her with advice and stuff like that when she you know she's she, she she really admires him a lot and he's a good dude so i want to make sure he got on the list so there you go
2: uh well who do you got? Any guesses? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah.
3: Um, we're out of. Let me see. We already did Chuka. We already did D Crack.
2: <laughs> uh, you already did me. Um. <laughs> my 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 number one guy is is uh-huh. uh, one of the only drummers in the Netherlands. Evo Backbreaker. Oh yeah. Apers Windowsill Fucking Lone uh-huh. Wolf Bat Bites. I mean, he's played on so many of my favorite records. It's just, yeah. I can't believe it. Like yeah. I said, he's been involved with so many of my favorite bands over the past, like, 10 years, you know? I mean, Aper's yeah. were before that, you know, which is something special on its own.
3: And that says a lot, because he, if he's the common denominator between all these already
2: great bands, that says a
3: lot, you know, about him.
2: Yeah, it, he's like he's like the Dan Panic of over mm-hmm. there you know i mean he yeah. just plays in, on so many of these classes and he's in giant eagles so yeah. very relevant he's but this guy's been relevant for the last 10 years like oh, every yeah. year <laughs> yeah. you know um just just a solid fucking drummer fantastic and, uh, yeah yeah um Great. he's the guy for me yeah like if he's if he's in a band i mean so far he's he's batting a thousand yeah the track record speaks for itself for evo for sure yeah yeah. It's quite a resume. Yeah, man. So let me ask you. Okay, so some of the guys, I'm, we don't have to talk about them much, but some of the guys that probably would make an overall list, um, uh-huh. Bill Stevenson, of course, Descendants, Dan Panik, um, uh-huh. Manuel from the Mangies, that guy oh, can it, fucking play. You know-
3: I struggled with this because I really wanted to mention him, especially because they have that new album out, but I understood we wanted to keep it to, I, I was in favor of keeping it to, to newer, younger drummers, but yeah, Manuel was the only one I was kind of like really gritting my teeth about. Like I really wanted to talk about him because that, that new Manji's record is incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is something special too. He's really fun to watch live. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 saw them
3: in Fort Wayne like 10 years ago. It was packed. It was so good. It was unbelievable. What else are you thinking? I, I I
2: I like a guy named uh, Spot McCracken. You know Spot?
3: I, I know of him. Is listen, I I I've slept on the McCrackens for a long time. Okay. I still haven't really dove into them. You know, I know I know of them. You know, I just have yet to really dive into them. I should probably just do that because everybody loves them. So I, I need
2: to... <laughs> You're diving into a, a fucking ocean there. I mean, yeah. there's so much material. <laughs> start start with Exit, dude. Exit's a okay. really, it's it's a great album.
3: Yeah, I will.
2: I mean, it's it's probably it's it's definitely my favorite album. But sonically, it's really good. Songs are great. Um, it represents the band's catalog pretty well. But okay. spot has been in the band. Okay. He wasn't original to the band, but he's on. He's been in that band for a long time. Uh-huh. And uh, he he comes from like an '80s, like a late '80s, like hard rock scene too. Oh. And in, in Canada too, nonetheless. Yeah. He was actually in a band called uh pretty boy Floyd, but oh, not, okay. not the American pretty boy Floyd. Yeah. Apparently I mean, there's two of them <laughs> yeah. and uh, he was in one of them. That guy can play. He, he's a great singer too. Okay. And um, yeah, but he, he, he's definitely over that, that 25 year mark. So. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of good ones, I guess, you know, I'm, Inspired by a lot of the same ones that everybody else is but uh, when I was when I was a teenager I really liked strung out and I wrote Jordan Burns from strung out who's an incredible fucking drummer I wrote him. I wrote a letter to him and When I was about 17 or 18 and um, He wrote me back and he not just wrote me back. He called my house <laughs> <laughs> Whoa and was, what and i wasn't even home when he called my dad was home and of course my dad talked to him you know spent a few minutes just rapping with him you know and then i don't know a few weeks later or whatever a package shows up with all this cool merch and it's all strung out stuff and he was like thanks for the kind words and wrote me a nice letter and he's like just keep doing your thing drumming you know and and i'd only been drumming for about eight years at that time and I know it's that's it sounds like a while, but it's like 32 now, so eight was still kind of new. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, but he was like really supportive. You know, and they're like that's cool. Could, it was a yeah, it was like they had just put out that Suburban Teenage Wasteland Blues album, which is incredible. I was so into that album, and I saw them a couple times during that during that period, like mid 90s, and just it was fucking great. And and then to this day, he's not in the band anymore. He actually just he actually just quit, or I don't know if he got quit or fired. There's two sides of that story. I won't even go there. But and that was only like recently. That was like a couple of years ago. But he was in the band up until then. So All I right, think, man. I think we're just about done, aren't we? It's
2: getting kind of late. It's later for you. Yeah, it's
3: two forty-five in the morning here. All right, man. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I really yeah.
2: Come back sometime though.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Try to get another creative topic going. I got a couple ideas,
2: you know. But um, I got a, I got a yeah. phone full of ideas, man. Okay. I'll definitely, um, yeah, come Thanks. back next year sometime. All right, dude. Well, it's fun talking, right, fun chatting. Yeah. All right, dude. And uh, I'll be in touch. And right. Good. Um, I don't know, we'll cross paths down the road. Absolutely. Let's do it again. All right, so, brother, take care. All right, you too. Bye.
0: Adios, motherfuckers, audios, motherfuckers, adios Adios, motherfuckers, adios, Adios, motherfuckers, adios, adios, motherfuckers, adios, motherfuckers, adios, motherfuckers, adios. Adios, motherfuckers, adios, adios, motherfuckers, adios, adios, motherfuckers, adios, motherfuckers, adios, motherfuckers, adios. Again.
6: And I think there was a time when I actually thought you were cool.